Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007, our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, we'll be hearing from lots of our listeners. Calls for more facilities at Semple Stadium for those with disabilities. The Curry Sermon debacle. We'll hear from our listeners on that and uh, farming with Amy Ford of the Journal. How to lose a stone before Christmas in a healthy fashion. We'll speak to Muriel Cuddy on that. Uh, we have a little from uh, Down Your Way with Eamon O'Dwyer as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Look at the headlines today, the Irish Times. Temperatures in Europe rise at more than twice the global average. The uh, Irish Independent, Airbnb clamp down delayed as a raft of housing targets are missed. Interesting photograph as well of three naked fellows on the front of the Irish Indo today and the uh, cheeky chaps are in Abbey Field in County Limerick. They've rallied together to showcase all that is good about the area and raise funds for good causes as well by creating a nude calendar. Yes, it's a rather interesting photograph indeed. I wonder what uh, Father Sheehy might think of that. Uh, the Irish Examiner, Europe's weather extremes set to become regular events and Union seeks applications for ABP review. And just finally, the Daily Mail, leading with uh, the headline, Leo dismisses priests, gays go to hell rant. And that's the tarnished uh, criticising the priest for saying that gay people are going to hell unless they repent amid a massive outcry over the cleric's remarks in uh, County Kerry. And we'll go back to that story in just a little while. Now, the first of three €200 Euro electricity payments were made yesterday to more than 2.2 million domestic accounts nationally amid rising energy costs. Now, the credit line will appear on bills from the start of this month and right into uh, December, depending on a household's electricity supplier and billing cycle. Now, the credit is automatic, so people don't need to apply for it. But Liam was in touch and he is concerned. Good morning to you, Liam. I'm not so bad at all. I'm not sure if we can hear you properly, Liam, but uh, you can hear us anyway. I can hear you, yeah. Okay, very good indeed. Um, Is it fair to say, are you on prepay, Liam? I am. Okay, so will you explain? Because you don't seem to have gotten your credits, is that it? Yeah, I haven't, no. I just topped up again there this morning and uh, a a couple of neighbours of mine got it. It it seems to be kind of a lottery. I know it'll come, but the quicker it comes, the better. Because I'm putting in at least 15 quid a day at the moment now. Right, so that's that's totting up all of the time. What sort of a uh, prepay? I'm I'm I don't fully understand the prepay system because I don't have it myself. Is it? Are you on smart pay or classic pay? What What's the difference there? Uh, well, I just I get the codes. I go down to the shop and purchase electricity, and I get a, a receipt and just codes, and I just tap into my meter on the wall. Right, and uh, then off you go. Right now, the government are saying that they will send you top up codes. Um, how does that work? They'll send it to your app, is that it? Yes, yes, or your phone number. You can go down, you say using your card, you can use your telephone number to tap into the machine in the shop. Right. And they print off the ticket. And then uh, they have your phone number, so you get a text from, I'll get maybe a text today or tomorrow, whatever, and the codes will come in on the text. So you enter your code into your 
meter and your credit is applied. Right, very good. So that's what should happen then from the government. They should send you the codes and you should have access to this, uh, these uh, funds. Um, some people that you know on the same system as you, they've gotten the money. Yes, some have, some haven't. My two neighbours down the road, they got theirs. The two neighbours up further, they didn't get theirs. And, you know, it's just hit and miss. Right. Not why it's really, you know. And Liam, is there any way you can check it out? No? Um, well, you could ring them, but I'm sure they say there's other people waiting as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't understand why it all couldn't go out at the same time if everybody is in the same boat. But yeah. anyway, sure. Look, it's typical of what's happening. You Is it six people you have in your household? Six altogether, yeah. Wow, uh, you must have a big drain on electricity, do you? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, well, you have two kids, 10, 11, and I have an 18 year old, and ourselves and myself. Right, so and we, your everything is electric. You know, we don't have a clothesline up the back because the sun doesn't hit the back with the extension. That's even in the summertime. Right. So everything is dryer, washing machine, dryer, your heating, the whole lot. So it's constant, especially when they're off from school as well. The weather, where you, you, you know, other way of drying clothes in your dryer, you know. Of course, yeah. And or, I, I'll bet, like my own house, the the shower is going all of the time. Is it? God, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And like the prices have doubled since last year. I was just going through a few figures there on what I paid but last year between uh, December and January. My monthly bill would have been between 260 and 280 between December and January. Wow. You know, and uh, you look at the profits that uh, Electric Ireland have made there, the, the triple since uh, 2021, they made 390 million, you know. You'd imagine they could pass a little of that back to. Yeah. Back to yeah them, you would, of course, you know, it have uh, the government owned, uh, the government owned ninety five percent of the company. Five percent is owned by, yeah. uh, you know, shareholders or whatever. Yeah, the government have a lovely out on that, though, Liam. They say they can't interfere with the commercial market in any way. You know, it's yeah, sure. <laughs> it gets them out of it. Yeah. Yeah. How are you finding the whole cost of living thing in general? I mean, okay, we have energy gone through the roof. What about everything else, Liam? Well, everything else, well, you go shopping, you know, so I know practically the price of most things in Aldi's or Lidl's and that, cause mm. I, you know, I do quite a bit of shop myself. Yeah. And uh, everything, I think it was 95 cents is now 105 or 106 is gone to 120. You know, it all adds up at the end of the day, you know. Right, so it's all kind of topped up, whether it's 10 or 20 cents or something. But as you say, when you add yeah. it all together, uh, it becomes like, a... Uh, yes, like um, it's, it's the COVID and that, you know, and... Crazy. What, what about the prepay, the whole system itself? Is, is it a better system? Like, sometimes it appears to me that you're paying more because of prepay. You are, but I suppose if I, like I was quoting those figures there a while ago, between 260 and 280 between December and January last year, if I was getting a, a monthly or double month every two months for a bill from DSB, you're talking about 600 quid, 700 quid. And right. that's, that's a lot of money. It's you know, whether you're working or not, it's still a lot of money. And if you miss a bill, it's going to be double the next month. That's when you're running into trouble. Right. So well, at least this way, you might be paying a few extra bob, but you're paying it on the drip. So you're... Yeah, you're yeah. not having bills coming in the door and you're not getting being cut off, you know. Like if DSP back years ago, as they're called, I'll let you learn now, they lost a lot of customers because they didn't have these meters for people. Yes. And, and they let other companies come in behind them. And now there's four or five... Like in England, you had a couple of hundred people suppliers. I think it's gone down to four or five now because just the price has gone so. You know, you could have looked after the customers maybe a bit better and 
started cutting them off, put in the meters. But now there, you have four or five companies they're in competition with. Yeah, but if you wanted to swap, have you ever swapped companies? Yeah, I have, of course, yeah. Right. Right. And how, year, does, how does that work sorry? if you have a prepay? Well, your contract, I think, 12 months or 15 months, and when your contract is up, you'd ring them, tell them you're changing them, then you get a phone call and say, listen, we'll give you 150 to stay with us for the next 12 months. Of course you're going to take that. Right. Right. You know, you have to shop around, you know, and like buying insurance. You go to a few people before you get your cheapest insurance. Now, I think, when did you last change provider? Uh, it was early last year. I actually was, uh, was in the process of switching over to another company, and then a friend of mine was doing the same, and uh, he, then they rang him and they offered him 200. So I rang them and I said, my, I, I was thinking of changing. Uh, yeah. Can I have the same deal as my friend? And they said, yeah, no problem. So, so give me my 200. Yeah. Because when, yeah. I w- when I was reading through stuff this morning, the only reason I could see why you mightn't get your payment is if you've changed fairly recently to them. No, I'm with prepay power. Oh, over a year. Now. Right. Oh, well over. I'm with them a good long time now. Okay, know. right. So there, there shouldn't be a problem like that where, where that is concerned. So, no. okay. Because somebody no. else was telling me that do, do you have to make a payment or something if, if you change because the meter has to be changed? Is there a 200 euro payment or something? I, I would have, some of them would say that. I don't know. I never really switched over. I switched once. I was with another company a couple of years ago and I've been prepaid since. Yes, right. You so, know, and, so I'm not uh, sure about that. Um, somebody telling me, Liam, um, they say, hi, Fran, I had to top up last night by 10 euro. I was running out, but the money came in on my credit, but I only got 165 euro, 50 cent, not 200. Hmm. Maybe he was in the minus, I don't know. Right. So that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Will you explain to me about the minus? What happens there if it's an emergency? Can you get credit anyway? Um, I think you're allowed. Uh, it's, it's, it won't cut off now to um, 20 euros you're allowed to go over. Once your money is gone, they give you a 20 euro. But when you top up, they, 20, they take back that 20 euro. Ah, okay, right. But you get a little I, bit of grace time there. You do, and you won't be cut off at the weekends. Right. Either, you know. And, but it's, right. How, but how, do you mean, you, how do you mean cut off at the weekends? What, what do you, you uh, Like tomorrow's Friday, say, okay. and my, my meter goes into minus... 22 okay. on Friday evening that my, my electricity will stay on until Monday morning at 9 o'clock and then it's gone alright till I, till I top back up probably put in 30 quid and then you have 8 euros credit which is basically less because you have one 30 one charge standing charge anyway right okay so, Liam I, will you let us know if you get the, the credit in the next while oh god I'll be doing yeah. handstands and cartoons <laughs> down the green <laughs> I had to move the second half picture off the wall this morning. You'd have to get an office right to hear the noise going off. <laughs> One of our listeners says that prepay is the dearest of them, was with Pin Energy, uh, but I'm sorry it went from them. They don't tell you when you sign up that you're on contract and uh, top up the meter in your house with prepay is up too high that you have to get a chair, says Jamie. Is, it, is there anything? <laughs> The, the meters are quite high at all. Yeah, mine isn't too very. Right. Uh, well, why? Why is that? Why? Why are they up so high? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I'm supposed to. <laughs> 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 keep, they're supposed to have to keep in mind their prices. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Liam. Thanks very much. Good bye to bye. talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Good, 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 good,
they're up high to keep in line with the prices. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 3311. Uh, OK, right, lots coming into us there. Let me have a look at it. I'll bring it to you in just a little while. Uh, we'll take a break back with more. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And now uh, Ryan O'Mara was on to us. Ryan is a regular contributor to the show and he's the Fianna Fáil rep for North Tip and he's offering to uh, help Liam out there where the energy credit is uh, concerned and we'll put you both in uh, touch. Thanks for that, Ryan. Um, I never used the emergency button, Fran, but the same thing happened to my friend. She didn't get the full amount either. Um, okay, and more people on about prepaying them one thing or another. The priest only told the truth, and God wants people to hear the truth, and the truth might hurt, says one of our listeners. Um, somebody else uh, says, Tell Liam that um, it might have come to his phone under the screened screened messages. Okay, so instead of the app, is that what you mean? Apologies, because I don't know much about. Uh, the prepay system. Um, I got my credits in a text message on Tuesday. Maybe if you change your mobile number and didn't register with them, it might be the problem, says Cathy, who's in Holy Cross today. Thanks for that, uh, Cathy. Yesterday we heard from Noel with these concerns uh, regarding booking seats and the lack of seating available on Irish rail train journeys. Now, Peter joins me now. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. You you spent a long time working on the English railway system, uh, Peter. How how does it compare with what you're hearing about here in Ireland? Um, there is no comparison. There is I I I can't see. There is no rail service here, really, is there? And I can't understand how these trains can be so crowded. How can they be so? I don't believe that. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I honestly do not believe that. You can get a train in London starting up from half past four in the morning mm. and probably every ten minutes after that. I looked I looked up yesterday trains from, from Clonmel to Dublin. Mm. There's one train leaves at uh, I think well there's one at eight o'clock in the morning. That takes three three hours forty. The next one's at ten thirty four. That ten thirty four actually gets to Dublin at fifteen fifty seven. That's six hours. Good God. How you could drive to Dublin a lot quicker than that. And that's the problem, isn't it? Trying to entice people to use well, public transport, you know? Well, who, who's the minister for Is it that Eamon Ryan? A- Eamon or? Ryan is the transport but minister, yeah. He cycles a bicycle. Well, from time to time he does, but often he has a, a government vehicle as well, and he's on right. car at home. And so. No, but it, I don't know. Is, it, is there a... I mean, the infrastructure is there. Yeah. There are stations, but what... There's nothing going through the stations. What's... What's the problem with it? It is part of the problem, and I'm bound to your experience on this, but, I mean, you talk about London, for example, so I presume that there's such a huge population that there's, Mm. you know, that people want to use the train all of the time. Here it seems to be at specific times it's crowded, and at other times there's very little interest in using the train. Is that that fair to say, Peter? uh, 
if, you know, you, you could be right there, but what, what, I'm, what I was thinking was, if they say, right, we'll put on more services, that will encourage people to travel. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. People, yeah. people then will then think, well, I can go, I can go into Clonmel and I can get a train to Waterford every hour or so. Mm. It doesn't happen like that. There, there, there. I remember that that station in Clonmel was buzzing years mm. ago. Mm. You could get a train from Rosslare. You could get off the ferry at Rosslare mm. and get a train direct from Rosslare to Clonmel. Mm. That doesn't happen anymore. At all? No. You could get. I I can remember when I used to bring my kids over on holidays. You get a train from Clonmel mm. down to Rosslare. It would pull up. The platform was right next to the ferry. You got mm. off the train and walked up the ramp onto the ferry. I came over some years ago and I thought, I oh, so where's this train? So I said to him, where's this train? Oh, they've moved the station to the other side, which is the opposite side of the road, over through the car park and up some steps and that. And then I found out after that, they stopped They stopped the trains from even Rosslare to Waterford. <laughs> And in terms of the kind of, is it stock? Is that what you refer to when you talk Look, about carriages and sort of, well, that sort of with, thing? With, with carriages and things like that, I, I don't know how many carriages. I'm assuming there are four coach trains here. Right. I'm just assuming that. In London, you're looking at 12 coaches. Right, but the, the population is, is not comparable, though, is it? <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. But they have to try and encourage the general public to use the train services, you can't. You're not going. To, people are not going to use them if they're not there. No, and it has to be efficient, and it has to be timely, to be, and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you're not going to get things on time all of the time. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Mm. It'll only take one thing to foul up a train service for the whole day. The other thing that I can't get over as well is the lack of services on the train. Would you make a comparison with that to me as well? Um. Well, Do you know it's hard to get a sandwich even at times or a cup of tea? I think I think they stopped that kind of thing during the COVID, didn't they? Yeah, right. But I'm 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 assuming now that the trains they run here are obviously they're diesel trains. Mm-hmm. So those trains and doors on those trains have to be operated by a conductor guard. So mm-hmm. there is somebody on that train. Whether you can find them, you must be able to find them. There has to be a conductor guard on the train. Well, Noel said it was very find, hard to find anybody to complain well, to. Uh, well, what, what's he going to complain about? Well, he's going to complain about the fact that he booked an actual seat and then he gets mm. onto a carriage that is so packed that he can't, yeah. that all the seats well, are gone if, and the standing if, room only. If those trains are that packed in the morning, you can't reserve seats on them. I don't care what they say. You cannot reserve seats on trains oh, well, that early in the morning. But that's grand if they said that. But he but was paying. He was paying to they, reserve. But he's, yeah. he's who's he emailed? He's emailed customer services. So I assume yeah. you're, you're not going to get an answer from them. There are people sitting in an office. They don't know what they do. Mm. You need, and then he's going to complain to the the frontline staff. You'll need somebody. He got off at some station and he'll have a go with somebody there that doesn't know anything about it. They're just there to do their job. They don't need to have people shouting at him mm. about the train was late or the train was crowded. Well, in, in fairness, I don't think he was shouting at them, but he, he had to make a point to some, he was, somebody. He was, I, I, I got the impression he was quite angry mm. just about it. Well, it was the second time now in two weeks that he had the same experience. I, I did hear him the last time. Yeah. <laughs> are are you a bit annoyed with him, Peter? 
Sorry? Are you a bit annoyed with them because you might have come across customers like that in the past? Is that is that Frank, it? There's a, there's a there's a you see the thing about the train services in London. I I I done it. I had 26 years. Mm. So you're going to get people worse than known. Right. They I've had people threaten. They would they would threaten violence. Use violence. If you if the train was delayed by five minutes, they want to kill you. And they're and, not interested. And in you've experienced that yourself, have you? Of course, I have, and a lot of my colleagues. It 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 comes with the job. Right. You're there. You you're basically there now. You you, you the managers and all that will say, oh, well, that's that's what comes with the job. It's the same as everything else. It takes one thing to foul up the train service. You'll get fatalities. That fills it up. Yes. These things happen. Yeah. But it, it, it came with the job. That was when I started. 26 years I'd done. And you, you, when I started, you'd done, you could do 12 hours a day, seven mm. days a week. Mm. And you would get abused. The majority of the time, you, you're, you're going to get abused every day. You'll get, you'll get abused, some kind of abuse, every day. So yesterday when you heard our conversation, it brought you back memories, obviously, of... <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, it did, but what I'm saying is, it, the way Noel was putting it is, it's there's nobody around at all. There has to be somebody there on that train. There is a conductor. Ah, uh, yeah, there but it was, it was cra- <coughs> excuse me, it was crowded to the point that you couldn't move. So I mean, obviously, well, finding I, I, somebody was very difficult, you know. Yeah, well, from what I can see, the, the trains are. are few and far between so they, they might be crowded but where where are all these people coming from yeah are they commuting i don't think so yeah i don't know maybe there was something on or something like that but it doesn't matter there sh- should still be capacity i'm sure you'll agree oh, of course yeah 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 that that that, that has to be yeah whether they, i mean he was he was saying oh they, surely they could put on a, a couple of other carriages on the train that's not always possible you can't just pluck carriages out of thin air and say, look, we'll put two extra. They must have had people out. They would have train planning. Mm. So you'll get people from train planning that will go out. They'll check, see how crowded these trains are. And then they'll say, look, that train is not that crowded. What we'll do is we'll knock a couple of coaches off it. Right. But but they were wrong in these cases. you know. Of course they were wrong. All right. Okay. And with the so-called green agenda and trying to get us all out of our motor cars, can you understand why there isn't a push for efficiency and convenience where our, our rail travel is concerned? Um, well, if, if if you're not going to lay on these services, you're not going to get people out of the car. Yeah, I know. And I, I mean, I, the bus services here are brilliant. Yeah. That transport system, I find, is brilliant. But as far as the rail, you're not going to get people, unless you advertise and put trains on, you know, I don't know if the platforms are long enough to take extra coaches. It could be that. Oh. It could be anything. Okay, right. Again, you know, you might, you again might get, I didn't realise that, yeah. Well, you, you, you can, there's only certain platforms where you can get a certain amount of coaches on it. So sticking another two coaches on is not going to help that problem because you're going to have two coaches hanging off the end of that platform. 
Somebody telling me anybody who lives in Tip and working in Cork, the first train from Dublin, Thurlis, Limerick Junction gets into Cork at 9.20am. It's just a little bit late for works, as this listener. Come on, like 9.20 in this day and age. Students can't get accommodation in Cork, yet there's no transport. That's well, nearly dinner time for an awful lot of people. Why can't somebody ask Eamon Ryan uh, about this? And that's a very good point, isn't it? For students, that, like, for that, instance, you know. Well, students, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's too late in the morning. For, for Much today. too late. Much if you're commuting, if you if you were working and you're living down in Tip and you work in Dublin, you're not going to get there for nine o'clock in the morning or twenty well twenty past nine. That's late. Yeah. You want to be able to get wherever you're going and be on time for work. Even if you're there early, you can go and have a coffee or whatever. Mm. You know you're there for work. I'm trying to rack my brains here, but I think there was something about them. Um, ordering trains, new trains, but there's a huge delay or something in the construction of them, and that's why we're waiting. Probably, where are they ordering them from? Siemens or someplace? I, someone, no idea. I think Siemens. Well, I, as far as I, when I remember years ago, when I used to come over, those trains they were using in Ireland were ex-British rail stock. Second hand? Yes. <laughs> because I, I remember looking at the, one of the windows and I thought, it's got BR on the window. Right. And all they done was brought them over here and painted them green. And off they went. <laughs> well, off they went and rattled and rattled and rattled. But surely they're they're all out of service now, are they? Those ones are probably are. Right. I, 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 I'm a, well, they're still using diesel, whereas in in London, it, they use what they call a third rail. It's a it's electric electricity. There's two two running rails, and then you'll have another rail that sits up a bit more. Right. And the trains are running electricity. You yep. get hit by that at 750 volts. Oh, stop. Uh, Martin was on to us to say, I'm uh, on the Irish Rail website and they have a train service from Rosslare to Waterford. So, well, yeah. they, must, they must have just brought it back. Um, but you're saying it's in a different place. It's not, the platform doesn't go to the... No, the, the platform years ago, it stopped the ferry would pull in and the platform was there, yeah. right in the ferry port. Now, I don't know, do you know Ross Lair? Have you been through the, the ferry port? I've, I've been through the ferry, but only in the, yeah. in the, in the car and I go on the yeah. thing. I wouldn't take much uh, notice of what's happening. I've yeah. done it. Well, as you drive in, you had the car park and that yes. there. Yeah. You, you drive down the hill, don't you, coming off the top of the hill down into the ferry port. Okay. Up to the right, there's a hotel up the top of the hill, I believe. Yeah. Well, that's where they built the platform up there for the trains. So oh. if you got off the ferry at 4 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning, you come outside, you then have to walk all the way over through the car park with your suitcases. If you have kids, you have the kids with you as well. You climb up these steps up halfway up and the platform is there. You see, Irish Rail wants you to get a bit of exercise. Exercise? <laughs> <laughs> you need to get a taxi from the ferry <laughs> Peter Reed. Eamon, Ryan, Eamon Ryan wants you to rent a bicycle off him. That's what he wants. That's, that's, that's what he wants. It's all in the ma- major plan, you see. That's what it Eamon, is. Eamon Ryan is the Irish equivalent of Boris. Do you think so? Oh, I oh. used to see Boris on the trains. Boris used to be out on the trains all the time with his bicycle. Right. Uh, even I'm not sure if he had much of a green agenda other than that but anyway uh, Peter good to talk to you today and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us that's uh, Peter with his experience of working on the railway system in England and making some comparisons for us there as well 1800 huge reaction yesterday morning uh, to the story of the sermon given 
during Mass in Kerry over the weekend. Now, not just us, but, you know, radio stations all over the country and TV stations and stuff. Since yesterday, Father Sean Sheehy has defended the controversial comments which he made during the sermon at St. Mary's Church in the Stoll, saying that he was preaching the Word of God and that all priests are obligated uh, to do so. He also said that Irish politicians who support same-sex marriage are are openly gay, like the Taunish Leo Varadkar, are absolutely going to hell if they don't repent on sin and seek some forgiveness. Just a few seconds of that, just to remind you. What about all the people who remained? What about all of them? When I completed the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the people applauded, a standing ovation. What about them? What about the people who came into the sacristy and said, it's hard time we actually heard the truth. What about those people? Are they fundamentalists too? I mean, that's the reality. Father Roy Donovan is a leader of the Association of the Catholic Priests and he joins me now. Uh, Father Roy, good morning to you. And good morning. And thank um, you thank you so much for your time uh, this morning, Father Roy. Um, what do you make of the debacle? What do you make of the sermon and what do you make of all the media frenzy around it, Roy? Uh, uh, Father Sheehy's um, theology, you know, is, is, is past tense. You know, when he talks about my priesthood, uh, my mass and uh, his understanding of uh, moral theology it's it's, uh, it's way back in the past everything has evolved and is moving on at a very fast rate and he's out of sync completely out of sync in fairness the bishop of kerry was very quick indeed to issue an apology and issue a statement on it uh, as well yes. but it it didn't stop father Sheehy on almost every radio station you know saying that this is my belief and uh, this is reflected in the bible and that's what i'm preaching yeah see he's caught too with a church that's been speaking with forked tongue you know on the one hand you have pope francis saying who am i to judge and he has reached out to he phoned um a gay priest there some while ago uh, father james addison and who's got um, um, and has given him his back, his backing. And yes, you have. You, we've had statements from the CDF, uh, the Vatican, and condemning gays and um, and putting forward um, this preoccupation mm-hmm. with um, sin as all got to do with sex. So you you have both of those, and you also have the. Catechism, to some extent, um, on the one hand, it's saying that we must treat uh, gay people with respect and um, with with care and love. And then on the other hand, especially some of the papal teaching has been saying that gay people is disordered. So you can see where he's coming from. Um, but but people on the ground and most of, and so many people in Ireland have moved on, and people in the church have moved on, but the institutional church hasn't caught up yet um, it's it's way behind the times uh, part of what father she he was was saying that you know he was asked was he critical of uh, the Bishop of Kerry for, for coming out so quickly and rebutting what, what he had to say but he, he was saying that he was speaking with a, a Christian voice but that father she himself was speaking with a, a, a Catholic voice and very much with a, a Catholic um, agenda so to speak and the Catholic agenda in the past has been equating um, all sin almost with sex, mm. and um, and that's what he's done in his homily. Uh, all the topics he's brought up has all got to do with sex, and um, the church needs to up- 
update its teaching on sexuality massively. I say massively. Mm. It's way, way behind the time. Even on its whole attitude towards gay people, the church has not updated itself on the most uh, up-to-date sciences, uh, research, uh, even the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that condemns same-sex relationships. There's been five clobber texts there, but uh, now with the latest biblical research, it shows it's not condemning same-sex uh, relationships. So even on biology, on um, the whole understanding of how our orientation comes about, sexual orientation comes about, all the sciences now show that to be gay or transgender is just as normal for that person as it is for another person to be uh, straight. Right. But you say that the Bible doesn't specifically say, but I mean, I'm, I'm no great student of the Bible, but I, I just have some bits and pieces in front of me, Roy, and it's saying if a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man is with a woman. Both men have committed detestable acts and they must be put to death for they are guilty of a capital offence. That's just one sentence. There's many more that would be specifically saying that. Yes, but um, the, up, up, the update, biblical research on all of those texts and, and on that text, um, when you look at the context and when you look at what they are condemning, it's not um, same-sex relations. You will find that it's um, abusive of, of um, you know, one person having power over another. It, it's, it, I, I can't tell you, I haven't got those texts in front of me. No, I, and, and I appreciate that. And, and you're right, yeah. because some elements of what I was reading from Genesis, for example, it seems to be violence in sexual acts that is being condemned as well. So yes, is some yes, of this yes. lost in, in translation, do you think? Absolutely. And also, um, many um, theologians and scholars um, released an academic statement on all of this back in May 2021, which the Vatican doesn't seem to have heard of, and most people haven't heard of, which speaks about what we're talking about there and clarifies all those um, texts and gives the evidence uh, and the scholarship to show that. Mm. So there's nothing, and I want to say this out loud, there's nothing in the whole Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, that condemns same-sex relations. That's very interesting. The other thing that occurred to me as well, that homosexuality, I was reading, is only a term that became known in the 19th century. And here it is representing um, biblical writings from thousands of years ago. Okay. So that's kind of interesting as well. As you say, in translation then, uh, uh, turns being imposed on the translation I yes, is, yes. is, is um, the point I'm making. Yes, yeah. And, and and now that we're more aware of homosexuality and because there's been this polarisation and you have it in America where this yes. priest has come from, um, where you've got uh, a number of countries in the world now um, have come out like Ireland and have no issues around gay people. And then you have other countries who are um, taking up the traditional uh, interpretation of the Bible and are very uh, extreme in their views uh, on on gay people. And and does it worry you that the kind of Pentecostal church that Father Sheehy might be representing in America has become so politicised as well? Does that concern you greatly? Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's very um, 
I don't know, it's very disturbing. Um, it's so far away from the gospel, isn't it? And, and it's so far away even from the Old Testament. Um, it, it's kind of um, ironic uh, that last Sunday, um, the first reading said, I'll just quote two or three lines mm-hmm. here, um, God, lover of life, you love all that exists. You hold nothing of what you've made in abhorrence. For had you en- hated anything, you would have not have formed it. Lord, lover of life, whose imperishable spirit is in all. Wow. I mean, that's... And is that's that what he read out as part of the Gospel? That he would read that out, at, that at would the read out in the first reading My last God. Sunday. And, um, and, and it shows again that, that every person, this is Genesis, is a son and daughter of God, no matter what one's orientation is. That's the go- and the Gospel builds on that. That's the good news. So he wasn't preaching good news. He wasn't preaching the, um, the Gospel of Jesus Christ of mercy and welcome for all people, inclusiveness. Mm. Could I be, I mean, we're always delighted that you'll come on with us whenever you're asked to do so. So the last thing I want to do is put you in an awkward position. But could I be specific with you and say that if two men, let's take two men, are in a loving relationship and that they still want to remain within the church, is that relationship accepted by the brand of Catholicism that you preach? Um, Yes. And and again, when it comes to... um, that um, it's uh, for them, for gay people uh, to have that kind of relationship has the same kind of quality to heterosexual relationships. And I would even go so far as say we should be obviously blessing those relationships. Mm. And but you can't do that now, can you? Um, well, some some bishops and cardinals in different parts of the world are, are giving the go-ahead, more or less, for that on the ground. You see, this is the central pathway where um, things are going to come more from the ground up rather than from the top down. And people are so generous, really. On the ground, people are more generous in their thinking and blessings than the officials in the clerical church. Do you think there's been damage done by what Father Sheehy said or has it resulted in a conversation, Father Roy, that might be good for, for everybody? Well, I would hope it would be a good conversation, but he's certainly... And I, and I was, you know, he's saying he has people who support him and, um, you know, there are people who haven't done any work on developing their faith or their understanding of sexuality, their understanding of the development of the human person. I mean, there are a lot of people who are caught in a time warp, who are still caught in a, uh, in the brainwashing that went on by the Catholic Church around sexuality and sex. Um, a lot of people are traumatized, I think, by that. A lot of people have been very hurt by the Church's teaching and all that. And I think what he has done there is at one level, he's added that heart and he has compounded that heart that many people feel around the church's teaching on sexuality. And would it surprise you to know, I'm just looking at the screens in front of me here, a lot of people are agreeing with him. And I suppose I feel for older people, maybe Father Roy, and I guess you would have come across this as well, who were brought up in a certain strict and maybe a focused teaching of the Catholic Church and now are confused by different points of view, I suppose, and, and the changes in, in our lifestyles and stuff. Yes, and you see, isn't it, it's, an, it's a very easy 
to be certain about so many things, to have a black and white view. And you don't have to do any thinking. You don't have to do any working out of things. Um, it's kind of an arrogance, too. You know, it's kind of um, a disrespect for other people's um, experiences. And, uh, you know, that nearly everyone now has somebody in their family who's gay, really. And um, uh, many people on the ground um, know that gay people are just as ordinary as anybody else in terms of all of our our humanity and in terms of what's best about our humanity. So that the same criteria should apply to um, gay people as the straight people in terms of values. Just a, almost an academic question, but where would you go for the source of of the Word of God, do you think, and maybe look at uh, a translation that might be more relevant in some way? Um, a translation that would be more what, relevant. What, what I mean... Um, it, well, I think Father Fagan, <laughs> his books, you know, has sent chains. He has done a lot of work on all that yes. area. Uh, you know, our preoccupation with sexual sin and how um, we're back in the uh, back in the old ages in terms of our understanding of sex in the church. You know, um, he's done a lot on on that. You know, his book Sin Change um, is one of those books. Um, where else? I think Pope Francis has written um, in uh, Amara's um, the, the, the document on love. I think he's written very good about yes. sexuality there. You know, he has put it in a very um, wonderful. He celebrates um, the sex and sexuality in that in that document. Amoris, uh, uh, the joy of love. Yeah, the joy of love. It's very interesting indeed. I'm sure the controversy and the conversation will go on. But Father Roy, we really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for coming on with me. You're welcome, Frank. Thank, Thank you. you. And good morning to you. That's uh, Father Roy Donovan, there, leader of the association of Catholic priests. How do you feel about that? 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Tom joins me now. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today, Tom. You've been listening to some of the controversy around the homily from Father Sheehy. What what do you make of it all? Well, firstly, I I got to hear some of the homily, and I I think it was a very good homily because the theme of it was salvation. And he said, it's as it is, as we we all need to get our, our salvation. And I think it's great that you have a priest that will give a sermon that's down to earth on the teaching of the Catholic faith. And would you go, I mean, you, your version of your faith, Tom, would you go along with him and say that, you know, somebody like Leo Vrykar, who is openly gay, is destined to be doomed to end up in hell. Oh, I don't think that's exactly... Uh, that's the kind of putting it out of context there. His, his main thing is that everybody needs salvation and everybody has a conscience. And if you examine your conscience, you look for forgiveness. So I would never condemn any person because every person is 
is loved by God. But, I mean, his point that is, if, if you accept that you're gay and you come out as being gay and if you don't repent in some way, um, that you are doomed. And, and I'm just wondering, Tom, if that is your belief as well. Well, my belief is that anything that if a person examines their conscience and they, they feel they need forgiveness, they do need to... Right. to ask for forgiveness and that's what confession is there we all we all uh, sin from time to time and that's why as I know as I was taught with my faith come uh, over the years um, to listen to the teaching of the Catholic faith and if it's it's suddenly going to change to become an alicarte menu that you take what you feel you like and you discard anything you don't like. We all can listen to sermons and they can strike home as regards uh, the message they're given. But um, we we go to hear those sermons and we do trust in our, our priest to guide us on the right path. And I'm, I'm not sure if you heard all of what Father Roy Donovan had to say to me there. I mean, there... There is a priest and he is leading the Association of Catholic Priests and he's coming out to say that, you know, we need to bring all of this up to date in some way and to embrace the fact that there's diversity out there and there's people yeah. living different lives. And but, um, since when, how can you bring something up to date? A, a faith, as it's taught to you, if suddenly it changes and it's a totally different one, you're actually going to not only... Uh, the numbers will not only be down, but you're going to lose your true faithful people because I, I would find it very hard to take that what I'd been taught as as in the years growing up, going to school and everything, that suddenly they're telling you, oh, this is all wrong and you're going a totally different track. I do not see how how the faith could change. Right. And Father Roy's point about some of the teachings might be lost in translation in some way and, you know, some of the the hardline um, aspects of the Bible that we might, particularly, I suppose, in the Old Testament, um, that it's it, it, it was lost in translation in some way. It didn't mean what people interpreted to mean. Does that...? Well, I don't think it was lost in translation. There might be some variation in a translation as, as we know that some of the prayers in the church were slightly changed because there was slight um, variation in them. But definitely there wasn't a complete uh, breakdown in translation because that message really is backed up by many of the stories in the Bible. Yeah. Some some of the Bible that I've been reading, though, it's, I was reading it in the office earlier on, and some of it astounded me, to be honest with you. I was looking at Genesis, for example, and uh, the story of Lot, who angels came and they wanted to have sex with, with young lads, and she said, no, don't have sex with them, but I have two virgin daughters. You can do whatever you want with them, but just leave the men alone. So, I mean, if you were to interpret that in some way into modern age, it would be, be awful, wouldn't it? It would be disastrous. Yes, and when, when we go to church, always through the years, we go to have our priest explain um, the gospel mm. because sometimes in the reading of different scriptures, um, 
it can be difficult to discern exactly what it is. But that's why we depend on our good priest to explain the word of God to us, because we depend on them. But if suddenly they turn around and tell us that everything they were preaching all along is wrong, it should be very strange. Imagine if we went doing a college degree or whatever, and then at the end of the college they said, oh, sorry, we everything we taught you was was wrong. And do you find, Tom, that a lot of people like yourself who was brought up in, in a more conservative faith, I mean, do, do you feel abandoned in some way? Definitely. I'm very, very worried about the way it's going that uh, the church now seems to be changing to suit the people. And if the people don't accept what it's teaching, they want to even go further into accepting what the people want. So how could it be the faith that we were brought up with? But I'd have to point out to you that, and, and I mean this with the greatest of respect, Tom, because I respect your faith, but the churches are practically empty now by comparison to years ago. So there's yeah. something going wrong along the way. And Father Roy's point was that maybe change needs to happen from the grassroots up. Yeah, well, well, I think that if there's a complete change around to, um, to saying that everything they taught over the years is is not correct and it's something else that's hypocrisy and it's actually damaging the church itself it'll drive people out altogether Do do you think Father Sheehy's sermon was proper? Do you think it was right? Yes it was down there. I've heard sermons over the years and they would have been I could say ten times more stern than that but I, I to listen to a good excerpt of his, his sermon it wasn't anything very severe because everyone has a conscience and they all, uh, when they go to confession, you recall what mm. your sins are. And I definitely do not think, I wouldn't anyhow, and, and I don't think that Father she would either just condemn a person just like that because we accept everyone. But, right, but it did sound like that. I mean, it sounded like it, it broke the most... Yeah. The, the the core issue, which is judge not or you shall be judged, I suppose, you know? Yeah, but it's not it's not actually because it's asking them that if they would look on their conscience and look for forgiveness, he's not. it's not actually judging them because our Lord is the only person that can judge us in the end. Mm. All right, Tom, really good to talk to you today and good to have your opinion. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on with me. Okay, Frank. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Uh, news is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800 Text WhatsApp. 083 three double one double three double one email tip today 
at tipfm.com. Now, one of our listeners, uh, Bridget, who is in Adala, was on to us to tell us about her dog, Sheppy, and he went missing after a fireworks display close to where we live in Dalla, uh, just 5k outside of Nina, on Saturday evening about 7pm, and he still hasn't uh, returned. Now, obviously it's a, it's a rural area, and uh, usually he never leaves the home place, but he was spooked about three weeks ago as well, seemingly, and, and did disappear for uh, a short time, but returned home safely. So anyway, the story is, if anybody spots Sheppy around the area of Dalla in towards Nina there. You might let us know here on the show and we will put you in contact with uh, Bridget. I don't have a proper description of Sheppy though, Bridget. So if you're listening, you might get on to Emma there and give what what kind of... Do- well, if he's Sheppy, is he a... Is he a sheepdog? I'm not sure. Anyway, you might just give us a bit more information on uh, that. And speaking of animals going walkabout, missing a black Angus uh, bull over a week ago in Gurchin in Calais in Templemore. And again, if you make contact here with us, if you know the whereabouts of this bullock, we can put you in touch with the owner. Uh, Father Sheehy shook hands with a sex offender in a courthouse and he's telling people that they'll go to hell for loving another human being. Jesus wept, says one of our listeners. And somebody else saying, you can't change the word of God. Um, another listener on to us uh, to say that, that priest is wrong. Sin is sin. That's making reference to my conversation with um, Father Roy. And this person going on to say the word of God has not moved on. And uh, let me see what else we got here where that is concerned. The, the fella talking is no priest. He is making me sick, says one of our listeners. Well, now, Father Roy is a, a very upstanding priest indeed and much respected and heading up the organisation of Catholic priests in the country. And so um, he has very, very good standing indeed and people tend to listen to what he has to say now. In saying that, you're still very much entitled to your opinions, even if it opposes that. 1800-938-007. Now, yesterday we heard concerns from listeners about the suitability of Semple Stadium, particularly if you have a disability or you're a wheelchair user. Well, Sean joins me now. Sean, good morning to you. Good morning, Sam. Uh, good to talk to you today. You had different issues with Semple. Was it the PA system, Sean? Yes, actually. Now when I hear what they had to go through Actually, I feel very inadequate because mine is a small problem compared for the children and for the disability facilities. But anyway, I went to both games. The first day I went to the Orion stand and uh, my complaint there was we couldn't hear, I couldn't anyway, and the people around me couldn't hear what the PA system and just to give an example, when we stood for attention for a moment's silence, none of us knew who was who we were remembering, and it was. Uh, uh, and I asked several people, and no, nobody could hear. So it wasn't me alone. Maybe my hearing isn't good, but that's just just and, to say it. And was it a case, Sean, that you couldn't hear it, or you couldn't understand it? If you no, know what I mean, hear, you no, couldn't, you couldn't hear, hear it. Who okay. The moment silence was right. part. Okay. Okay. And just to prove that I went to the other stand the second day and PA system was perfect. We could hear everything. So there's, I'm not r- ringing in to complain as such. Mm. I just to let them know this ha- this is happening and right. maybe they could do something about it. And that's in the Orion 
that's in the that's in the I'm, and I wasn't the only one because I, I, I went, mightn't have the best of hearing, but I inquired of the brothers mm. and calling out the names of the players and so forth. We couldn't hear. It. Very good. Was, was, the, okay. was there an issue with the scorecard, Sean? Oh, the scoreboard! No, the scoreboard it was a disaster where I was, and uh, those around us we couldn't read it for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it was the sun, the way it was, uh, it was shining, mm. but. We couldn't, and we had to. We we just depended on others around keeping the score. So then I said, when I was on the other stand, I would do. I, I said I might get a better view of the. They used to have two scoreboards, but for whatever reason, I think the other one has gone defunct or one thing or another. So, uh, and I do understand maybe they're waiting to have a new system installed. But in the meantime, I think we have seen lots of temporary ways of of, of showing different items uh, so uh, maybe that could be improved but anyway I thought that it came to an all time low on the second Sunday uh, a woman beside me she, she solved it we started seeing the score on our mobile phone alright oh, very good uh, and that solved it so it is it is something that needs to be addressed I feel Right. And uh, and in terms of seeing the scoreboard, was that the same issue from both stands? It was for me. Okay. Maybe right. not everybody, but definitely those around me had the same problem. And uh, But it's, a load, it's an old system now, and probably they're waiting to install. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm ringing this really for, for the future. Forget about the past. That's mm. gone, and I'm not... Who, uh, thank all the people who made it possible and the hurlers and the uh, stewards and everybody. A lot of work goes into it, so we thank them all. And uh, the other thing when I saw today is Guardian, yesterday's the Kilowan team lying in it, kneeling down in tribute to yes. uh, to uh, Young Quirk. Uh, for, uh, they, they, they took up a position where he unfortunately fell down. So um, that, that again becomes my problem becomes very insignificant. Well, it, it w- was heartbreaking, I'm sure, to to to, to see that with the with the yeah. young lads there. Um, how how long are you going to to games, Sean? Oh God, I'm going all my life. Are you? And I've been in Torlas several times, but uh, so the scoreboard is causing problems for years now. I think a couple right. of years, anyway, at least. Yeah, I'd love to know anyone else the same problem. Well, let's put it out there and we'll see what the story okay. is. What What was your highlight in Semple Stadium over the years, Sean? Can you make up your mind on that? God, it would be it would it would be difficult. Mm. I think there's a big difference between when your own team is playing and you're there as a neutral. And I I think some of the highlights to me were when I was a neutral because you would you would uh, see more and you'd, you'd see both sides. But as I saw some great, great, great days and great games. So uh, to pick out one now, sorry, I, 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 I wouldn't be able off the top of my head. Yeah, well, that, well, that's a good sign in its own way because there must have been some very magical moments there along the way. Yes, yeah. has, has, I'm, I'm no sporty, Sean, so I don't know. But has the game of hurling changed drastically than than when you were a young lad? Yes, it would have. Uh, I would think that, like, you couldn't even compare. You couldn't compare the two, to be honest, uh, because they're so different. Mm. But I often remark that uh, records that can be broken, like in athletics, they always they're able to break previous ones, like for their speed and their skill and different things. And the chances are the skill of the hurling has equally 
uh, improved as mm. well through the years and through the coaching. Uh, so therefore, for that reason, but we, we admire them and the dedication that they give. I was talking to some hurlers after it, and they're, they were training since last January. Wow. And here we are complaining about little things. It's, it's an incredible commitment. Is it? Can I ask what your own club is, Sean? I'd better not because they'd be at me again. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're a wise man. Uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't say wisdom would be my best point, but I, I was. Now, the thing that struck me, struck me there, a lighter-hearted side of it, I think we are going to need Hawkeyes as well to see the scoreboard or because I couldn't see it anyway. <laughs> I love it. Sean, you look after yourself and thank you so and you much. Too, thank okay. you. Bye-bye, Janelle. Bye-bye. That's uh, Sean on to us today about the Orion stand there and issues with the scoreboard and indeed with the PA system 083311 Now, we spoke to Kate yesterday who gave us her views on some of the laws around turf burning. Well, it's, it's basically banned, I suppose, and it's sparked a lot of engagement from our listeners. And Dean uh, joins me now. Dean, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Um, you kindly got in touch with us uh, about this. Um, you said the people's view of Eamon Ryan, maybe we need to rethink, do we? Absolutely. I, I've been very frustrated by this common notion that Eamon Ryan is some sort of puppet masters secretly controlling the government for a radical climate agenda. Because, I mean, frankly, I wish he's a complete sellout and does whatever his senior coalition partners tell him. He's not some radical climate activist. He's the worst kind of environmental activist, which is somebody who is perfectly happy to pass the laws that need to be passed as long as the burdens fall on working and poor people, but he doesn't he doesn't care about doing the big radical things that actually need to change. Have you been a member of the Green Party, Dean? No, I've never been a member of any party. Right, but you you would describe yourself, I guess, as green, would you? Yeah, green, yeah. socialist, Catholic. Right. And and why do you think he's failed? Because a lot of people are of the opinion that he's been pushing the green agenda to the point of you know, breaking indeed for for a lot of people out there. Well, yeah, that's that's what I mean by mm. like I understand when you've government banning turf to fight climate change at the same time that you know the rich and powerful fly everywhere in yeah. private jets. It's easy to feel like you're being lied to, but we do need to stop burning turf to fight climate change. It's just the lie is that the rich and powerful are doing their part as well. They'd go. They'll have to go around to their conferences, their big meetings, and talk about it seriously. They take climate change, but when it comes to actually implementing the things that are necessary to fight climate change, if it comes out of their bottom line, they don't care. Well, including Eamon and some of his ministers taking first-class uh, air travel as well, and there mm-hmm. seems to be an inconsistency, I suppose, about that uh, to uh, some degree. Um, it's something that struck me over the last few days because we were discussing it. I, I was looking it up, Dean, and I'm sure you know more about it than I do. But um, this notion of buying credits as well, buying carbon credits, sure, that's getting nobody nowhere, and we're spending a fortune on it. Yeah, it's a it's a very corrupt system where um, like surpluses of credits are basically created specifically so that corporations can buy them. Mm. Almost like them. a commodity of some sort. Yes, absolutely. And there are certainly people who, who use them that way. Anytime that we financialize anything and create a, a commodity, people are going to leverage that to um, make profits, and they do.
And what do you make of our various targets? I mean, whether it's 2030 or 2050 or, or, or whatever. Um, I, it seems to me that we're not going to come near them, but, you know, I stand to be corrected on that. As far as I can tell, we don't seem to be uh, getting near them at all. And that's pretty shocking, especially when so many of these uh, climate targets are already compromises from where we should have actually been. So we're like already watering down the target before we set it and then we're still not meeting the target. It's, it's pretty grim. And, you know, in your own political thinking, the the merge, I suppose, between socialism and green, that is a difficult one because we don't see so much just transition that we were promised. I mean, as you say, and rightly so, it's the people at the, the tougher end of the scale that are paying the price here. Yes, and that's why, like, a proper just transition wouldn't... Is, is, obviously, there is that element of, like, the people who have jobs that are going to need to be eliminated need to be provided with new jobs. A, a just transition would require a, a, a larger change in society rather than just reallocation of workers from one place to another. And as it is, we... Uh, not only do we not have a just transition, but we have a transition that seems to be experienced almost entirely as punishment for uh, poor and working people, for the sins of of the great polluters. Yeah, because it seems to somebody a bit ridiculous that, you know, that we could be put in jail for two years and fined €13,000 for burning turf, whereas there's no problem getting on an aeroplane five or six times a year and going off on holiday, which is a much bigger carbon footprint. Absolutely. Um, Eamon Ryan, before he was in government, he quite rightly opposed, uh, for example, the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement with Canada, CETA, um, especially on the basis that the CETA allows corporations to sue uh, governments for lost future profits when they bring in regulations that are going to to cause them to lose money. And Eamon Ryan, before he was in government, quite rightly opposed that on the basis that those mechanisms would be used to... um, if not directly challenge climate legislation, then the threat of the potential suit uh, would be, you know, a constant pressure to water down legislation. And that mechanism, there's no reciprocal um, way for states to sue corporations that violate the terms of state. It's only uh, corporations that can sue states. There literally is a a not you know no law for. Uh, for, for them and law for us situation when it comes to stuff like that. That's very interesting. So what you're saying to me is that y- you can sue an individual person, put them in jail, fine them considerably, and but you can't do that with a corporation? Certainly not under the terms of state. Uh, meanwhile, they can sue the governments of the EU and they, they do them in these special international arbitration courts that exist outside regular law that have no, like, body of law and legal precedent that they're lying on that are essentially just panels of people, just tribunals appointed in part by the countries and in part by the corporations uh, make these decisions essentially however they feel. And I think something like 50% of the time corporations win in in these arbitration things when they go actually go to a suit. And when he was 
outside of government, Eamon Ryan spoke out against that. He was you could see you probably photos of him a protest against it, and then he goes into government and he supports it. Complete and just to be football. devil's advocate on that, is not the is that not real politic? Like is is that not? I mean, you're part of a a coalition, so you have to be pragmatic and you have to, I suppose, weigh in. I absolutely understand the real politic angle. I mean, I am very frustrated by a, a lot of people on the left who seem to have no interest in uh, thinking coalitionally and thinking about how to to build links between the different parts of the left in Ireland or globally. Um, but on the other hand, Eamon Ryan, I don't, I can't see a single thing that he's a substantial thing that he's won for for the trade-off he's making. I mean, the the ban on turf that like Eamon Ryan implemented it, but that that's been on the pipeline for years. Yeah, well, I, I suppose he might say that you know there's considerable funding being put out there for you to look after your homes, insulate your homes, and maybe towards an electric car. And that uh, does that hold anything for you? Any of those? No. The is problem it tinkering at the edges, is it? It's, it's, there's part of it that is just tinkering at the edges, but also so much of what's really frustrating about the Green Party under Evan Ryan is how focused they are on policies that shift the burden of doing something or the illusion of doing something onto the consumer. Uh, so, and, and, and in a way that is ultimately always just a, a, a cash payout to the industries who are being like, you know, the money that is being spent on, on retrofitting homes or the energy credit, that's like the energy credit is the worst example of something that's just, instead of capping prices, just creating a credit that will immediately just go into uh, the power suppliers who are bilking us in yeah. the first place. Yeah, who are making huge profits, of course, as, as well. Now, they say they can't cap prices because it would be like uh, giving a, a an open check to somebody Um does does that mean anything to you? Um, I mean, I think just like the the answer to rising prices is to is to just keep throwing out credit and give people money just to hand it to uh, power companies. Then that sounds more like a blank check than. Yeah. Um, Energy prices. Well, that's, that's playing politics, as we all know, with it, if you read into it. Um, however, the Irish Times um, lead headline today, Dean, I'm not sure if you got a chance to see it, but it's simply saying temperatures in Europe rise at more than twice the global average, rise one and a half degrees over three decades, greater than anywhere else in the world. I mean, we have to do something, don't we? You know? Yeah, we really do. Um, and I really understand that the that feeling of distance between the fact that we've been told, like, not just my entire lifetime, but until since the 70s, that we need to do something. Mm, yeah. And things keep getting worse, but we're not... We do some things that, like, as you say, tinker away at the edges, but we, we haven't actually even tried to, to uh, have a really serious radical, like, restructuring of, like, how we run economies at all um, that when you have that dissonance it, it absolutely promotes a sense of climate denial or even not if you don't have to deny climate change but it, it, it promotes the idea that well it surely must be too late by now and why why so why even bother I think there's a there's a even more insidious kind of denial coming in which is which is 
almost a, a wow. presumptive fatalism. That's, that's very that. serious. So people throwing their hands up and saying, sure, what can we do? It's it's, it's all, yeah. So uh, just, just finally, Dean, Kyoto and uh, Paris, were, were they, was that useless, those, those big summits, were they? I think that they are becoming useless as time goes on. I think when they were implemented, that if they had been followed, if nothing else, we would have bought more time for radical action. That's one of the most frustrating things about climate, the climate crisis is that it is as much a crisis of time as anything else. When we live under the threat of nuclear war, that's a constant thing. It either happens or it doesn't. Uh, but we don't have to just sit here and watch it happening over a long time. And it's very easy to understand the kind of on-off of a nuclear uh, apocalypse. But a climate apocalypse is something that, that happens over decades, over longer than a century. And it's, it's very hard to see when you're inside us. So having more time to do something about it would have been great. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the um, the nuclear apocalypse. Um, I can't understand why people who would be uh, pushing a, a green agenda are not coming out about this and saying, look, OK, it's grand to talk about global warming, but now there's a potential for us to destroy ourselves in one fell swoop. And also there's the huge carbon print of war. Why aren't they not out there promoting uh, peace talks, for example? I honestly don't know what's going on with... I'm very frustrated that anybody who seems to suggest that there should be, um, like anyone who speaks out in favor of a negotiated peace settlement to the war in Ukraine, like recently there was a case with several uh, members of the House of Representatives in the United States who wrote a letter saying that they urged Joe Biden to, to you know, try to pursue peace talks uh, and a negotiated end to the war. And they ended up withdrawing that letter because of the, the response they got, the negative response, the idea that anybody who suggests that we should be trying to push towards peace is just in the pocket of Putin or whatever. I got you. Very I disturbing. I know. It is really, I find that really disturbing. And I find, and I'm boring people at this stage about a single narrative, but it really concerns me that there's a single narrative around this and very few people yeah. are talking about peace, you know. But anyway, Dean, it's uh, really, really good to talk to you today. I really enjoy that. Thank you for coming on with me. Thank you. Thanks very much, Fred. Good morning to you. That's uh, Dean speaking to us there. Isn't it great to know we have such informed listeners who are willing to uh, interact with the show? 1800-938-007. We'll uh, take a break. Back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 or Liam joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. You, you? you were kind of delighted to hear Sean this morning because <laughs> you thought you were losing your hearing. Is that is that it, uh, Liam? <laughs> and, and I thought my eyesight was getting worse <laughs> as well. 
I pity the poor guy that was sitting beside me at the match. Uh, it was the first county final, the, the draw match. Yes. Uh, between Killawan and Killadang. And um, the guy that was sitting beside me, whom I didn't know, uh, but I kept asking him, what was the score? I'd say, he, I, uh, maybe he, he half considered he'd move a half time away from me. <laughs> and where were you sitting? I was sitting in the old stand. Right, okay. Now, right. interestingly, because I listened to your person talking there a few minutes ago. Sean, yeah. Sean, mm. I went over after the first match. I crossed the pitch, which we were told not to do, but you're all the Ross Gray people who were on that pitch. Did, so yes. I'm a Ross Gray man, so I followed through. And I went to the other stand to watch the, the county final, the senior match. Yeah. And it was different. I found it a lot easier. And I could hear better as well, yeah. Right, so you could you could hear the PA system better and you could see the scoreboard. A bit better, yes. Oh, a bit better, okay. What, <laughs> yeah. what, what is the problem with it, do you think, Liam? I I, I don't know. Let's talk about the scoreboard. Yes. I mean, I can't understand a huge sta- stadium like Semple Stadium, which is a magnificent uh, stadium we can be proud of, that they don't have the two scoreboards working. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not rocket science. One on each side. Right. And it, it, is it only recent that there's only one scoreboard? Um I can't say that because right. I wouldn't have gone to that many of them now, you okay. know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I got some on television more, but uh, because I'm a Ross Gray person, that's why I, I wanted to. Right. So I was supporting Ross Gray, obviously. Yeah, of and course, uh, yeah. I have to yeah. say, I enjoyed it, I, and I enjoyed the county final draw match, too. Yeah. Very good indeed. And where the PA is concerned, is it that it's distorted and muffled, or is it that you genuinely can't hear it? I think it's. Uh, muffled is more so than distorted, I right. think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know it's on. But you can't, uh, it doesn't resonate correctly to you. Yeah. Right. Now, the only thing I can say about trying to get PA working in a stadium is a disaster because there's so much reverb and stuff. So it can be very, very difficult. But have you heard it better in other places, I suppose? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So it can be better, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, and I take your point about in in stadium and noise and echo and everything. But this day and age with technology, do a trial run, go in there go in and do it and get it right. It's a, I mean, it's a national stadium, you know? Yeah, indeed it is. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing that came up was the cost. Um, did that did that concern you over the weekend? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, I'm an OAP and uh, 20 euro was a bit much. I know for the matches next Sunday now, uh, the Munster Championship quarterfinal, it's 10 euro, which is yes. fine. That's great. Yeah, I'm happy with that, you know? And I don't want to sound as a Scrooge or anything, but it, it's for those who are on a kind of a a, budget. a limited budget. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, don't forget that a lot of people who are on those limited budgets, a lot of us anyway, I speak for myself, are, we, you know, we went to matches years and years ago and supported them all of our, our lifetime, you know. So yeah. money is scarce with people, you know. We got a statement from them saying that there was quite a few bargains in that, you know, that there, there was a ticket yeah. for a weekend ticket or there was a season. But can I say, can I yes. speak on behalf of the over 70s? Well, I think, I'm, if I may speak on behalf of them, um, we are not great at this technology uh, and... Uh, I was even trying to book a ticket for next Sunday now for the the, the Munster Championship in Sample Stadium. Right. And I failed to get in. I, oh. I got it. I got into everything. I could give everything on it and everything. And uh, it just keeps throwing it back out to do with my email address. And uh, I have got, I've bought tickets before. So I had to ring my son this morning and say to him, will you get the ticket for me for next Sunday? So we're not good at this. And, so, and a lot of people in our group don't have these modern ways of doing it either, you know? Right, and is, I mean, would you hear that from contemporaries of your own? Oh, I would. Would you oh, hear that all the time? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I even heard a few saying, look, I'm not going to go over there again, it's not worth the hassle, um, that type of thing. I mean, why can't they have a range, uh, maybe, 
a couple of sc- styles for those over 70s and uh, let them pay on the day. You know, yeah, you, you see, we're all becoming a cashless society and that's reflecting itself with the GA as well as everything else, I suppose, Liam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cash is king. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree you, with you I, on I, that. Could, yeah. could I be the interviewer for a second? You Which can. Would you prefer? Oh, God, cash, 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 yeah, cash. Yeah, well, there, that answers the question. <laughs> yes, but I'm a typical musician, you see. I like to put my hand in my pocket. <laughs> oh, well, OK. Feel a couple of pound notes in there somewhere along the way. As yeah, some, I as, think when you're... Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. When I'm paying for a pint, yeah. <laughs> I like to realise it's, it's, I'm handing it over. Whereas if you flash a card or something, you don't, know, you don't remember you're even spending you it. And, and do you notice at the end of the day when you check it, you always spent more than you thought you spent? 100%. Somebody telling me, uh, Liam, that the second scoreboard in Semple has been broken for the last 12 months or so. Which, if it's broken, fix it. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not rocket science. Yeah, you, you see, you have to stop with that logical stuff, Liam. We can't have any uh, of that be going on. If now. I have a water leak in the house, in the back door here, right. I fix it, won't I? You will, <laughs> you will. yeah. Yeah, or, or sorry, or maybe get somebody to fix it for me. <laughs> and if you were going to charge people to come in and look at your water leak, you you certainly would get it fixed, wouldn't you? 100%. 100%. I'm glad to be somebody positive anyway. You can't beat it. Liam, look after yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank you. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Liam speaking to us this morning um, about the issue of the scoreboard and again hearing the PA in um, in Semple as well. 1800 It's worth pointing out. Am I getting too balanced here now? But it's worth pointing out Semple is one of the greatest stadiums in the country, of course, as well as important. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie time to talk farming. Glad to be joined now by Amy Ford, who is acting news editor for the Farmer's Journal. Amy, good morning to you. Good morning. And good to talk to you today. First of all, I was intrigued with your front page. Farmers could be paid to cull sucklers. Will you tell me what's behind that? Yeah, that's correct. So I suppose this is all part of the wider Food Vision um, 2030 strategy. Uh, two groups were set up, one to look at beef and sheep and one to look at dairy. And this is the findings or progress support, should I say, of, of the beef and sheep group. Um, so suckler farmers could be paid to cull cows under the under the proposal in, by the group. Um, it'd be a voluntary scheme which would pay suckler farmers to destock, basically. Um, and there's two options that could be available to beef farmers if the minister decides to go ahead with it. They could cull suckler cows and keep the land destocked of breeding cattle for the for the duration of the scheme. And another option would see farmers paid to cull a specified number of cows and, and remain at this lower number until the scheme concludes. So almost like a quota and that second option, you can't go... Um, above it. There's been no agreement reached on the payment rates um, that would mm. come with this uh, suckler call um, and as I said the, the report is submitted to the Minister for Agriculture this week it's an interim report. There's a final report due to be published at the end of November and I suppose it's very key to say farm organisations have not signed off on these proposed, proposed measures. Right, that's very interesting indeed. There's also a financial incentive to plant trees what, what's the story there? Yeah, so this is under our new forestry programme from next year in line with the next cap. Farmers could be paid uh, over €1,100 per hectare to plant native trees in their land under the, the new programme. Um, so that's the, the premium payment. So if you're planting forestry, there's two kind of ways or two payments that, that come with it, a once-off grant payment and then a premium payment that 
that you get paid every year for 20 years um, and someone might be listening saying she's wrong on the 20 years but it's going to be increased to 20 years instead of oh. um, 10 or 15 in the, in the next uh, forestry programme. Um, the premiums have all basically risen, some by 50%, some by 66 some by more, some by less. Um, that that 1,100 euro per hectare to plant native trees, that's up from 665 euro a hectare um, in the current programme and a once-off grant payment of 6,744 euro per hectare. Um, the extended premium length is obviously to make the schemes more attractive. Um, and as an example, then that a farmer growing four hectares of native species, for example, hazel mm. on their land, will receive an initial grant of twenty six thousand nine hundred for setup, and almost ninety thousand euro in premiums over the course of twenty years. So um, it's big news this week, I suppose. And look, um, foresters and the IFA Farm Forestry Group and, and other uh, forestry groups have been calling for these payments to be to be basically mm. announced and be decided upon in recent weeks because plantings come to a standstill until people know what they'll be paid next year and people, I suppose, are holding off on planting until they see the new premiums. Right, and you've been writing about this yourself, Amy, so you're in a good position to tell me. I mean, is that attractive enough to have farmers planting native trees? Uh, well, I'd say if a, a 50% increase on anything is 50% more than what you were getting last time, I suppose. Um, the payment rates are definitely attractive, I suppose. The issue where th- there might be issues is in terms of the license and backlog. So yeah. that's something that we'd have spoken about in this show plenty yeah. of times before. You know, the backlog is being cleared, but there's still a number of licenses there to get through um, in terms of forestation licenses. So you need a license to put in a forest road and a forest to to Clearfell, to plant trees and so on. And there's been a backlog in those licences in, in the last number of years, essentially, and, and people have found it hard or they've been waiting a number of years. Isn't that longer. because of objections, though? Isn't that what's behind that? Yeah, and then they, they changed that uh, around as well. There's been a lot of movement on it in recent years, but I suppose we won't really see the the benefit or any proper change on from now on basically I, I assume it's going to happen recent data there from the department shows that they are making their way through the backlog but there is still a backlog there at the end of the day so um, farmers will have to take everything into consideration before deciding to go down this route The deadline for the acres plan then Amy that's uh, just a couple of weeks uh, time so there's some pressure on I guess there is pressure on, so we've won to just just over two weeks basically until the deadline for the yeah. acre scheme <clears throat> for anyone living under a rock. That's the replacement <laughs> to the glass scheme in the next cap. Um, the journal we understand that there's you know around four thousand applications submitted to date and another eleven thousand in progress, and so the target is for thirty thousand uh, in this tranche of the scheme basically by the twenty first of November. So that means another fifteen thousand applications have to be started and completed if those places are to be filled by the deadline. Uh, the minister told the minister for agriculture, Charlie McConnell, told a meeting in Donegal on Tuesday night that the tight timeline for applications was unavoidable, but told farmers that he's monitoring the situation closely. Um, I mean, what does that mean? Is that does that mean it might be extended in some way, or can it be extended? Yeah, it's definitely within his power to extend it. I yeah. suppose. Um, I, I'd say he'll want to get as many in by that date as possible, yeah. and he'll see the night before or the two days before that deadline if it's worth extending it if there needs to be more to come in like the advisors have said that they're under serious pressure because of the deadline and and like Noel Feeney at the ACA president told the, the farmers journal this week that they're not going to get to all their clients so they're they've been calling for a deadline for a number of weeks it's not just coming out of, of out of the blue this week um, so it will be interesting to see um, as the, the next week or two how many applications are in done and dusted and whether the minister will extend the deadline Top cross compliance breaches faced by farmers last year as well. 
Yeah, so this is basically um, the cross-compliance inspections that are carried out on a select number of farms every year. There was around 8,000 inspections in 2021 and the, the main issue that's um, catching farmers is, is cattle and sheep missing ear tags and animals not being tagged within 20 days of birth. They're one of the top issues um, when it comes to cross-compliance on farms. Uh, you know, there's just over 250 more inspections carried out last year and the 2021 figure showed that, you know, those um, animals missing ear tags is one of the, the common um, miscompliances or non-compliances, should I say. Can I ask you about the big story that's across the media today, which is that of avian flu or, or, or bird flu, and there's a bit of concern out there, particularly, I suppose, when we look across at what's happening in the UK. What What's the latest on that? Because we're approaching Christmas, I suppose. Yeah, we are. And look, poultry must be housed from, from Monday, the 7th of November, next Monday, until further notice. And that's because the department has issued uh, a housing order, basically, uh, to prevent uh, poultry, so our turkeys, our chickens, um, coming into contact with birds which may be carrying bird flu and then contracting it themselves and then those farms having to be depopulated essentially. Um, the order was made as countries like uh, the UK and others in continental Europe, they're being forced to cull millions of birds um, as, as that highly pathogenic bird flu has got into some flocks over there. Um, that's that's the, the worry here. There has been no cases of this uh, highly pathogenic bird flu in any flocks in, in the Republic of Ireland to date. Um there's been two in captive flocks uh, on the, the eastern seaboard, but we haven't got confirmation of what type of birds they are. They, they, you know, they could be um, pigeons or they could be a different type right. of, of bird flock. They're not poultry. Um, and then there's a number of wild bird cases around the country. And I suppose the reason that this kind of got set off is that a, a, a wild bird was found with bird flu in Cavan. And Cavan and, and Monaghan are, are two of the biggest poultry producing um counties right. uh, in Ireland so that's where the worry So they have to be housed from, from Monday on. What does that mean for organic uh, farming of these uh, these birds? So that means that everything has to go inside the house essentially um, for their own animal welfare and to prevent them from getting birds um, or to get getting bird flu. Um, in previous years when, when we've had housing orders, like it's not a new thing I suppose, it's just the timing this year coming up to Christmas is, is what has everyone talking about it. Um, there'll be a sticker to say that these, you know, if you're going into the supermarket or wherever you're buying your eggs, uh, there'll be probably a sticker on it if they're still free range. There'll be a sticker to say that these birds have been housed for their welfare. Um, but they're obviously still um, a very high standard is on, in place in these farms. So um, they'll be inside, but as I said, it's for their welfare. Yeah, it's not going away though, Amy. I mean, we hear about this every every year and certainly in the UK it seems to be on the increase big time, you know. We do, we do. And last year, between November and the end of January, so November 21 to January 22, um, there was 200,000 birds um culled in Ireland as a result of, of bird flu getting into a number of flocks. Wow. Yeah, there was. Um in 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 that the border area essentially between Cav and Monaghan. Um and one of them was a turkey flock. But look as I said, at this moment in time there is no bird flu in any poultry flocks right. in the country and it doesn't represent a, a threat to human health at all either. All right. Uh, Arabon doing well with uh, the, the the milk price there. They are. Uh, they follow closely in second by Lakeland Dairy. They're mm. continuing to lead the way on milk price. Um, Kerry Group are in, in third place on the September Milk League, um, which paid a two cent a year bonus on September Milk Supply. That's in line with contractual commitments. Um, they make up the top, the, the Division 1 for September, essentially. Division 2 then is led by Revo and Tiradon with Dairy Gold further back. Um, and then there's a, there's a 
there's a difference of uh, two cent a kilo in milk solids between Arabon and the top at the top on on seven point eight two and dairy gold at the tail end of the division then as well, um, and you can read that fully in in this week's paper. Would you take? Would you just re- reply maybe to um, a text I've in here, Amy? It says I'm so saddened to hear the farmers would be paid to cull sucker sucklers and reduce stock. So this is the first step in getting rid of dairy farming from Ireland. Plenty more trees is good, but less cows will only drive the price of dairy products up for the general public. Do you, would you just make a comment on that for me, Amy? Yeah, there's a lot there. So the suckler, the suckler cull is in line with a dairy cull, and there, there is, yeah. as I said, there's two groups: the food vision beef and sheep group and the food vision dairy group. The dairy group has recommended an an, an exit scheme essentially, um, which would see farmers paid um, per cow. I think it was to to get out of farming, to get out of dairy farming. So there is two schemes on the table um, that are to be taken into consideration by the minister, and these. Two groups, these two separate reports are going to be basically combined into one report, is our understanding, and that will form part of next year's climate action plan. Um, it's unclear when these schemes are going to come into place. There's mm. not financial figures on any of them. <clears throat> but the, the key thing yes. is we have uh, climate targets to meet and we're going to have to meet them somehow. Um, and but, this but is this one is, way this is re- reducing the national herd, isn't it? Isn't that what's... <laughs> Yes, it would. Yeah, it would. Yeah. It, 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 if there was, uh, you know, a quota or a cap put in place or uh, a scheme there. The other key thing is the, all these schemes are going to be voluntary. So it would be up to farmers themselves if they took part in them. They're not right. going to be yeah. forced. There's not going to be a forced call. And, and that's been a constant, I suppose, that's been said over the last number of months and years, uh, that there won't be a forced call. Any change will be voluntary. But it will be interesting how, how it does pan out. Won't it indeed. Amy, it's always a pleasure. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Good Thanks morning to you. Bye-bye. That's uh, Amy Ford there. Amy is acting news editor of the Farmer's Journal and the journal is on your shelves uh, right now. A listener says, I think everybody in Ireland should have to plant a single tree on their birthday every year, which means we'll have an estimated five million trees every year with very little effort says somebody to us on 083-311-3311. Well, Fran, talk about uh, climate. What about Russia and Korea damaging the planet? Are we at anything? Uh, We can only do so much and others destroying the planet. Somebody else saying China is responsible for 27% of greenhouse gases and India probably the same. Uh, Until they come on board, we're at nothing. China uh, recently was seeding clouds for rain. Is that not harmful to the environment? Uh, How does your guest at present feel about that? Well, that guest is no longer with us, but thank you for pointing that out uh, to us. Uh, 0833 News uh, is on the way in just a little while. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, Call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on, on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tom was on to us from Dundrum and he says, Fran, just hoping the bird flu won't uh, become a major issue in Ireland. I'm sure uh, some of the turkeys in the Doyle must be very worried, though, says Tom in Dundrum. Um, OK, when you ask the county board for some answers... 
where the old age pension discounts are concerned and and not telling us about the deals that they have. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, We'll see if we can get some answers for you where that is concerned about the other issues with Temple as well. Um, I can promise you, Fran, Eamon Ryan and this government will be long gone and people will be still burning turf and the sooner the better. This is one of our listeners who's rather cross this morning. Somebody else saying the Catholic Church is founded on the teachings of the Bible. It has been preached for years and has stood the test of time. Why should they change their sermons now? Because a group of young snowflakes doesn't like their sermons. Most of the people are most of these people aren't even at the mass to hear what the priest had to say. If you don't like a club, don't join it. And let people who are joined get on with their life. This is one of our listeners out there today. Well, you know, some of the people taking issue with uh, what Father Sheehy had to say would be his own bishop. And indeed, Father Roy representing the Catholic uh, priests of Ireland. So it's it's interesting to take that into account as well. Time for our weekly health slot now. Glad to be joined by the CEO of Marito 8020 in Clan. Mel Muriel Cuddy is with me. Good morning to you, Muriel. Morning, Fran. How are you today? I'm very well indeed, Muriel, but I think you will have the ear of everybody in the county because you're going to tell us how we could lose a stone in a healthy way before Christmas, Muriel. Well, you know, it's funny because this um, has come to the fore in the last couple of weeks in the clinic, right? As in every single underlying issue, or I'd say probably about 95% of them, Fran, being overweight, obese, Nutrition, all the different sides to it. Mm. Uh, that's the underlying link between all of it. And like the stats are there. Say in Britain, there's 64% of adults are classified overweight mm. um, or obese. In the US, I think it's about 74%. Wow. And being overweight or obese is known to increase the risk of at least 13 different types of cancers and other like conditions then like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease and all of that kind of thing. So I suppose that's where I'm coming from with this because I'm seeing it and it is possible that we can actually lose extra weight. You know if you have a bad gut, and you've heard me talking about it, Fran, mm. if you have 90% less good bacteria than a lean individual, there's a 20% increase. Um, the 20% increase in bad, bad bacteria leads to higher calorie intake. So you eat more, but it also stops you. You store more calories, so it actually stops you losing body fat. It increases your body fat, right. yeah, because of what's actually happening in your gut. So I suppose to try and get it right is the number one. But for me, today's the 3rd of November, right? Mm. So we're three days into November. Yeah. The month of November kind of flies by really fast. We've just come through Halloween. I know the kids are still off, but the amount of rubbish in every single shop. You know what? I don't even know. I'd say close. Are they possibly the only shop that, don't sell, that doesn't sell rubbish at the minute? But there's, there's colourful packets of everything everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think most people actually agree with me on this. Say by Tuesday after the long weekend, you do feel so awful. You've eaten wrong and the yeah. food's everywhere and you can see it sitting around and everything. So and you're sick of it. A, yeah. You're sick of it. You yeah. know, and it's a challenge for me today, a challenge for everyone, literally. And I have the kids, like I say that all the time as well, and the rubbish is in my house the same as everybody else's. Mm-hmm. But if we can put together a challenge, say just for the typical time listeners that are listening today and that listen to me every week, the 15th of December is six weeks away mm. from today, right? So that's about 42 days, which is six weeks. It is well doable to lose 12 to 14 pounds in the next six weeks. In a healthy fashion? Can, in a healthy fashion, okay. yeah. And, yeah. It, it, and it literally, the emotional side comes into it. This is a statement, and if, if, you're, if, if, if you can even write it down and get it into your head, if we don't care for our body, how can our body care for us? Mm. Mm. And like, we don't care for it when we're putting all the rubbish and everything in. And the emotional side takes over. And it bogs us down and the stress and all the different bits and pieces it stop us doing what we need to do. 
we need to be accountable and we need to pull back a little. And I think it's a long time since I kind of got cross over this. And I suppose November coming into December and what I'm seeing every day is frightening me to the, to the fact that by the time I finish in the evening, I'm completely panchaxed mm. from talking to people. And it all comes down to this. So let's start today, right? 3rd of November. Forget about the fact that it's Thursday. We're coming into a weekend again. Yes, but the kids are come back to school by Monday. And we have the 42 days. If we can pull back and we can start ruling out things, I've spoken about all of this so many times, the things that actually cause inflammation in the body, the things that stop us losing weight. So we can actually say from today we're going to write down, I don't care whether breakfast is over, what you've, how you've started today. Mm. You can do this with me, Fran, if you, if you, if you want to yeah, as well. Sure. But I would actually say if we can cut out the rubbish, as in anything that has colour or anything that has more than seven ingredients has gone out of our world, okay? That rules out the rubbish straight away. No snacks because snacks aren't needed. Mm. So we can actually eat three decent meals a day and eat properly for the three decent meals. And even stop the alcohol that we say, we're so alcohol focused in Ireland mm. and it's becoming more and more and more that we're getting upset. I heard it, it was on one of the, the radio stations over the weekend. Um, some, some one of the presenters was given out that you can't buy alcohol um, in the morning early and if you need it for lunchtime and you need it, whatever. We are really gone alcohol focused. I would say one alcohol evening a week from now until Christmas time and that's at the very most and if we can do simple things like the three meals watch the ingredients that you keep them under seven and you don't have alcohol the two pounds will start coming off a week very easily mm. because it's the snacking and it's the mindless eating and it's all of that kind of thing that's sneaking into it now if you want me to go through the breakfast lunch and dinner options Fran, yeah, I'd I can. I'd, I'd love you to do that because sometimes that's not clear to us I suppose Muriel no, it's not. And, you know, that was another thing, again, talking to people all week long. I feel that I know that people should know because mm. I know. When yes. I, but when I start talking to people, I actually realise people don't know and they don't understand. One of the things when you start writing things down, and I think that's the very first, if, if there's a pad on the worktop or there's a piece of paper or the back of an envelope, don't mm. care what it is, but if you can actually start writing down what you're having and what you're putting into your body straight away, you actually start even getting a feel for where you're going wrong, if that makes sense. Yes. Loads and loads of people this week had intolerance issues, dairy, wheat, gluten, different things. They felt really, really unwell and they didn't know what it was. So my starting place for people is breakfast time, first of all, forget about this morning, even tomorrow morning's mm. breakfast, two or three really good options. Go back to the basics again of the porridge, the Weetabix, the really good high fibre brown bread. Put on the brown bread, whatever. If it's a banana, if it's a scraping of peanut butter, uh, if, if it's protein of some sort, as in like, say, maybe turkey rashers if you have time to do them, mm. um, chicken, anything at all like that. If we can marry, say with your porridge and your wheat picks, if you can put an essential fat like your chia seed, flax seed, something like that with it and your protein, as in milk, if you're not intolerant to milk, there you have a really good breakfast. It's high fibre, which mm. is really good, at slow release of energy and it sweeps out the system. Okay, right. the protein and the fat. When we get to the age of about 35, 40, our diet has to consist of more protein and fat and less carbohydrates. It's the carbohydrates that are actually causing the insulin spikes, you know, the the, the sugar rush, the type 2 diabetes, all of that right. kind of thing. The, so these are our the, breads, our pastas, our potatoes. All yeah, even say, say if you're talking about breakfast time, Fran, yeah. it's the pastry stuff that people go in to get their coffee and they come out with the sausage roll or yeah. Cornish pasty or, you know, when you go in there in the morning and all the stuff is lined up there in front of you. Yeah. The minute you walk up to a counter and anything is breaded or pastry, anything at all like that, 
that's what's killing our system. Our gut cannot take it. And the minute you put it in, you put it on fire. And there's a word for it at the minute and they're calling it metaflammation. So it's the metabolic side with inflammation in the body and it's metaflammation. So that's what you're trying to stop when you're talking about breakfast time. If you can have it before you go before you go out the door, that's much better. But if you can't, bring the brown bread or whatever with you. Bring the banana with you. Bring the berries with you and have them. By how how many slices though. of the brown bread could you have? Two. Two. two is possibly two. fine. Yeah, yeah two is okay. fine. There's the, when you come to the calorie side of things, right? Mm. So we do a lot on the metabolic and, you know, the machine that you can stand on and that gives you your basic resting calories for the day, which is yes. a good starting place. But if you can't do that, your basic starting, cal- starting calories for somebody to lose weight, for a female, say, probably depending on size. So if you're five foot three, five foot four, you're talking around 1,200 to 1,250 calories, you know, and you're good to go to lose your couple of pounds a week. 1,400 if you're bigger and you're you're taller and that, you know. If you have a lot of weight to lose, you're talking about 1,400 for a female. And that's that's fairly, you know. For a man, you're talking about 1,550, 1,800. Now, there'll be people listening to me here and they'll say, oh, she's mad and we should be having more and all the bits and pieces. We've tried and tested this every which way. Exercise helps. You can actually have more calories the more exercise that you do. But I always say to people, if you can actually stick a, fi- a figure that you're full, you know, so breakfast, lunch and dinner is maybe 12, 1400 calories for a woman. Mm. The extra exercise you can do without killing yourself then is a bonus. So right. 20 minutes a day or half an hour a day, five times a week, little out of breath, things like that that's right. doable for but, life. But don't use it as a trade-off. Use it as a plus. No. Uh, yeah. Use it as a plus, yeah. yeah. And even okay. if that's your last wine on Saturday night or whatever, or the extra half pound. And you know, when you're listening to this, think of the good feeling that you'll actually feel coming into Christmas time by, say, the 15th yeah. of December when yeah. you pull on the pair of trousers and they fit. Of or the course. short pits without strain at the buttons. Or you just look in the mirror, base, just the basic look in the mirror and you actually like what you see when you're looking back. Or how well you feel because the brain fog is starting to lift, concentration levels are there. You just start to feel a little bit better that you can cope. And that's what the food side does for us. Very good. And uh, the lunch then, if we move on to the lunch? Yeah, so the lunch is, you really need to bring lunch with you. Um, And I've said this so many times, right? So um, again, if you can do without the bread side, you're really doing well. If you can't and you're doing the high fibre bread, that's okay. This is the time of the year for soups. Soups, stews, casseroles, anything like that that can be brought in a flask is absolutely brilliant. Most of the filling stations that I've been in or any of the, you know, the the, the supermarkets that do um, soup options, most of the soup options are really good. Mm. Um, So you can actually get your soup there and get your couple of slices of brown bread. And that should be really enough for lunch. You're talking about three or 400 calories, you know, and if you want something extra like a handful of nuts or something like that, it's really good. It's not really the time of the year for salads. I think people aren't as pushed, but even if you do walk into a filling station, you're talking about you want something hot, you know, the chicken skewers and things like that. Yes. And then even put them with your colour. So for me, it's all about colour, like it's the beetroots and the onions and the lettuces and all of those kinds of things that work. But the, the dinner, your last night's dinner, how many times have I said that? It's a time of the year that we need to be cooking. If you're not cooking dinner in the evening time, please try and start to do the three or four times a week if you can at all. So cook extra for your dinner. Again, like the stir fries and everything. Any of them can have a salad feel to them the next mm. day. If you don't have a microwave, you know, eat them cold. Yes. If you have the microwave, yeah, definitely um, heat them up and um, have them hotter. But the one, two, three ingredients for lunchtime again, Fran, that's that's where you need to be at. Tuna. Tuna's fantastic. Yeah. Peanut butter on things. They're like your fillers. Like, we'd have three or four or five, ten cans of tuna butter, um, chicken, things like that in the fridge all the time. So I'm always, I'm always suspicious, Muriel, of things I like. I really like peanut butter. Are you, are you, are you sure it's, it's okay, is it? 
you just factor it in and because it has um, um, really good fat, like okay. it has saturated fat but it, it, and you're going for a peanut oil one, you're not going for a palm oil one, Fran, okay. but yeah. if I was having peanut butter, I would say like two teaspoons of peanut butter. Now, loads of teaspoons, but two teaspoons of peanut butter and it has about 200 calories, so I would count it. You know, okay, so yeah. if I was having tuna, tuna and, and and then a couple of uh, spoons of peanut butter. But what it does is it sates your appetite. Okay. So the minute you put fat into your body at all like that, it stops you craving the sugar. Okay. So straight away it nullifies the effect of that. Whereas if you put bread in or white bread in, straight away then you want more sugar. So within an hour you're hungry. So that's why I stay going on about the fat on the protein side because it stops the insulin spike and it keeps your, your blood sugars on that even keel all day long that you don't want it. Now, I'm not saying to anyone that this is easy, but if you get to the first two or three days. You're mm. kind of gone out the other side then of, you know, we're on a roll now and this is good and I don't want to go back, you know, and I'm starting to feel good. Of course, Your yeah. dinner in the evening. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sam. No, 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 not at all, but I find that if you get yeah. a start, Muriel, if you if you begin to see yeah. a little start, you will continue then, wouldn't you? That, that's, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, our number, I'm going to give out a number at the end of this. Yes, please. Just send a thumbs up at the, at the end of this to say that you're on, on board or not. And I'll, I'll send in to you how many people are actually on board. Okay. And we okay. can actually do this, but that you know behind the scenes, there are other people that are actually doing it. Now, if you want to come in, jump up in the machine and get your exact metabolic uh, rate, you can. That's not a problem. Okay. But just give us a thumbs up, even something as simple as that, to say, right, and we can come back and say, listen, we've 50, we've 100, whatever it is. And you know behind the scenes, there's all these amount of people in Tipperary that are actually doing the same thing. We can check in again next week for five Wouldn't minutes. Or whatever. That'd be great. So let's let's see if we can get a tip today movement on on this. Talk to us a bit about dinner because this is the yeah. big one, isn't it, Muriel? Well, in winter time, I thought the dinner for me is because people eat out so much takeaways. There's there's like a certain street in every single town in the country, not just in Tipperary. On a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening, you won't get a car, you won't get a park because the takeaways are so full everybody's lined up literally everywhere and everybody's eating the takeaway mm. now I don't mind that once a week that's absolutely fine it doesn't do anyone any harm but the other days of the week you cannot go into the takeaway because if you do you're going to sabotage everything it just the saturated fat our body isn't able for it so our dinners in the evening time we have protein as, or sorry our carbohydrates as in our potatoes our pastas and our rices whole wheat pasta whole wheat rice potatoes for the kids things like that that's fine I think as you get older again, I've said about the carbohydrates, I would prefer if people can limit them to as little as they possibly can. So maybe one potato, small amount of rice, small amount of pasta or noodles in the evening time. Eat like a, a double portion of protein. Okay, cook it in extra virgin olive oil so you have your protein and your, your essential fat together. Mm. Put your veg with it. Have a decent dinner that you'd like a double portion of veg decent portion of protein and then a smaller portion of carbohydrates. And, and, and again, just re- re- repeat to us, protein, you're talking about our meats, isn't that it? Protein are, yeah, and even yeah. eggs, things yeah. like eggs. You're talking about all your, and I'm talking about white meat five times a week or fish a couple of times a week. Red meat is only twice a week because of the saturated fat content. Okay. That's what's driving our cholesterol up. That's what's driving the, um, the inflammation in the body, the gut, all of that kind of thing. So just if you can at all, limit saturated fat. Protein is all your meat. Egg is a superfood. Scrambled egg in the evening, that's really easy and that's not a dinner. Mm. Any kind of eggs in the evening time, Fran, and that's, that's easier to do, you know. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants any like tips or whatever, come back to me, give me a shout and I'll, I'll go through it with them. But why I would like to limit the carbohydrates in the evening time, even when it comes to that meal, if you can cut it back to like maybe four or 500 calories, watch your sauces. When you sit down at night, if you want the fourth option that you've had three meals and you need something to snack on, at least you have the carb option there before bed by 8 o'clock or whatever. Yes. You know, so that should be like your Kelkin popcorn or a couple of plain biscuits with your cup of tea or whatever. But there you have the option. That's your treat. 
Now, when we're talking about this, if we could do, so if everybody could do 12 hours um, uh, of not eating, so say 8 o'clock, we stop, and then by 8 o'clock the next morning you're having something to eat again. If you have to go out to the house early, either bring it with you or, you, you know, do the 11 hours. Mm. But if you can do that 12-hour window, your body gets a really good break. And it's, it's the start of, of kind of an intermittent fast, which works. And that drops all the sugar levels and all the bits and pieces, you know. So I think it's the continuous sitting and the mindless eating, eating all night long that sabotages most people when they start doing something like Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And that, that, that is a habit. Well, I found, I, I've managed to kick it for the last while, Muriel, but it's just a habit, isn't it? That once we a sit habit. down in front of the TV, we want something to to chew on. It's, it's yeah. the hand to mouth, isn't yeah, it? Like, it is, and yeah. That's how we're talking about the vaping and all the things with the kids and everything. Yeah, like, how do yeah. you want to stop that? Because it's it's hand to mouth. But that's the diet side, Fran. There's two other things then you need to add into yeah. it, right? So we've said alcohol once a week. we said no snacks. we said three meals a day, right? Um, 20 minutes exercise. Yes. So that's very doable for everybody, right? And I don't care if that's in two 10-minute blocks or it's 20 minutes in the evening when you get out of the car before you even go in the door. 20 minutes of, of exercise if you can get it in every day from now until the 15th of December, okay? And eight hours sleep. If it's possible at all that you can be in bed on time, that you're able to get the eight hours sleep. So if you're up at seven, you're in bed at 11. If you're up at six, you're in bed that bit earlier. But we do need, now some people need less as in the six and a half, seven. Mm. But most people in general, we find, need a decent eight hours sleep. And then you start feeling better. If we can do that, everybody that does it is going to be flying by the 15th of December that we're going to feel so much better. Um, and the water, of course, drink a little bit more so we'll be dehydrated. Very good. It's, it sounds sounds good. And that way, you, you're not starving. We're not talking about starving ourselves here, are we? Absolutely not. So yeah. I'm talking about, so if you're on about 1,250, 1,400 calories a day, your breakfast is about 300. Your lunch is probably another three to 400. So there you're at 700. Mm. There's still another 500 left over for evening time. And that's on the low side of somebody that's small, petite, and possibly doesn't eat a huge amount anyway, you know, even if they look into it. So then when you're talking, talking about a man, you, you're still on around 300 for your breakfast. Go to even five for your lunch, you're at 800. There's still another good 800 calories there in the, for, for evening time or for your nuts and snacks and your dinner and that kind of thing, you know. So dinner would normally be about six, maybe 700, depending on what you're having and the sauces and everything that's on it. So you're still left at another 150 for night time. Somebody wondering about Cambridge brown bread, uh, soda bread, is that is that okay to have? You've mentioned that in the past, haven't you? So many times, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because you know what's in it and you can seal the bag, pack it again afterwards. Yeah, it just seems to agree with people. There's a few things that I really like. The Cambridge brown bread is one. Uh, Weetabix at night before you go to bed is another. Things like that, you know, porridge. These things our body actually loves. Like our, our, our body seems to like for cholesterol, uh, there's beta gluten and porridge, all of that kind of thing. Weetabix is full of fibre. Our body just craves things like that. Berries, it craves it. That brown bread is really good. So, yeah, even peanut butter is good if you're able for able for the palm oils in it. So there's a few things that our body really loves and a few things it hates. And it really hates the packets that there's all those loads of ingredients in or the saturated fat, as in the takeaways and the pastries and stuff. Almost very interesting, Muriel. If people want to make contact with you or if they want to give you the thumbs up, uh, how can they do that? Thumbs up, yeah. So it's 083-095-9138. Okay, just give us that again, Muriel. So it's 083-095-9138. Excellent. We'll have that number here for people who want it as well. So simply for a thumbs up, but if they want to talk to you about some treatment or being looked after, Muriel? Yeah, to give give us a ring on that number. And um, like I said, the metabolic side, that's huge. So yeah, even to come in and be accountable. 
yes. the next six weeks if they want to do something like that and just let me give them, uh, you know, a bit of support in the educational side and that, yeah. Definitely. Very good. We, we love to sure. check in with you to know how the brand's new business in Clonmel is going and that is, of course, Marito, uh, 8020. It's going well so far, Muriel? Really well, yeah. Um, um, for anyone that's asking, Fran, I thought this is of interest because um, we had the Narrow Valley drop and we had a good few different things on over the weekend. I was involved in last weekend. Yes. So many people asked me about the business and they said, Thank you. I thought you weren't there, Muriel. I thought you weren't open. Because our shop front isn't in yet, people are passing us on Parnell Street and they're coming down past, past the um, entrance mm. and saying, Can't find you, etc. So the shop front, for anybody that's listening, is actually going in today and tomorrow. Ah, That'll right. officially be there on Monday. Uh, so you'll actually be able to see exactly where we are and the signs will be up. But yeah, it's going really well, Fran. Fran, Fran thank God. Well, um, we're we're excited how my words are gone. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're, we're, we're delighted to hear it, Muriel. So it's 0830 if anybody wants to, to chat to you. Muriel, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Great. Talk Thanks to you next week. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That's Muriel Cuddy there of uh, Marito. 8020 in Clonmel, 1800-938-007. Fran, it's uh, strange, or is it, that the bishop is condemning Father Sheehy's sermon, yet the Catholic Church doesn't allow same-sex marriage inside the church buildings, nor a divorcee to remarry in the church building either, says Jackie. And that's a, a very, very good point. Indeed, you know, so, and and I'm glad you made it, Jackie. It's a very good point. Um, all right, then, let us move on, because uh, down your ways, you know, at this point, one of my favourite programmes on Tip FM. Eamon O'Dwyer is in Kennedy's Pub in Killeen, outside of Temple Derry, for this week's uh, programme. Let me just give you a small taste of what you can expect on Saturday morning from 10 o'clock. A special song coming up. How are you doing, Avian Threatery? Good, how are you keeping? I'm not so bad. This is a temporary song. Oh, it is, yeah. Okay. Uh, temporary, my home. Okay, as I say, in your own time. Bright home of my childhood, there's no place like thee. Thy mountains, thy wildwoods, thy vale and thy lea. No matter wherever. I'm bound far to roam. I will never forget you, Temple Derry, my home. Where the caskets roll down, the dark mountains between, and the moonlight sleeps come on the breast of Cunin, where the bright river sparkles. Their feathery foam, or the shamrock decked veil of Temple Derry, my home. Your beautiful new church towers high in the air, and the Angelus bells calls the faithful to prayer. How sweetly the sound of its high-ringing tone Seems to say, heaven bless you, Temple Derry, my home But there is one spot that's far dearer than all Enclosed in your beautiful new chapel wall where often I silently wept at 
I prayed O'er the grave where the immortal John Kenyon is laid For he had the spirit to dare and to do The star of our priesthood, the noble and true How proudly he died to give air in her own on the green mountain side of Temple Derry, my home. But let us hope on till sweet liberty smiles and radiantly beams o'er our emerald isle when the common black slab from his grave shall be thrown and a monument raised in Temple Derry, my home. Oh, beautiful. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, John Ryan, how are you doing? Oh, thanks. Uh, good to be with us on the programme. Yes, yes. Yeah. Would you know this old place fairly well? Killeen? Oh, it's a grand old place. It's clean is a grand old place. Yeah. Would you come out for a game of cards here regularly? Oh, I, I used to come for a game of cards, but I don't come now. Okay, okay. Getting too old now. Okay. Will you mention age? Well, I don't. It's, I suppose, 94. 94. Ladies and gentlemen, 94 years young. Hey! Just before the programme started, you, you, you told me you were born in, uh, in, oh, in, in, in America. I was born in Chicago. Okay. My mother died when my sister was born. My mother died when she was, what, 14, years, four, four, 14 days old. Oh, my God. And I came back in the Queen Mary, into Southampton. Okay. And then you worked in England for a while? I worked in England a long time. Okay. Yeah, I did. And you came back to Ireland then? Oh, I came back to this, oh, oh, came back to the home place then. Okay. <laughs> And of course, uh, the home place being where? Oh, in Lascarov. Just up, up the fields there. Okay, lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Mm. So you have a good old story. Life. What, what, do, you, what do you consider that your health? You have such good health. Oh, I have good health nearly all my life. Fair, fair enough. Until I got, down, until I got the, the virus when I started. The first time the virus started, I got it. It was two and a half years ago. All right, yeah. And, and nearly. nearly well, they nearly crippled me. Okay, so you put it put it that way. Are you flying it again? I give an hour, I give a day and a half unconscious in, Lim, in Limerick Hospital. <clears throat> it was fairly tough. I wouldn't make anybody to have it. I would not. Yeah, you sh- it shook you up, did it? Oh, it did. Yeah. Yeah, shook me up. I said I wouldn't walk anymore. Okay. This is a sort of a st- so you're enjoying a, a little drink here tonight? I'm enjoying a little drink here every weekend. Yeah. I, you're glad to be alive. Oh, God, I'm glad to be alive is right, <laughs> yeah. Sure we're glad to see you as well, John. Yeah, right. 94 yeah. years young. John Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm not too bad, and yourself? Your name is? Liam Ford. Liam Ford. I am an uncle of Jason's, yeah. I'm the eldest of the family of 13. Lovely. No and Jason. Jason's dad is my youngest brother. Okay. 17 years younger than me. Terrific. I have two sisters here tonight with me, okay. Eileen and Patricia. Okay. They all went to school in Killeen. Okay. I went to school in Killeen and Kilcary before that. Okay. 
in the 50s. Good old memories. I played though, Harlan yeah. for Juvenile for Temple Dairy in 55 to 58. And I'll tell you that. Okay, okay. And I'm back here now since the 90s. Unfortunately, my wife passed away two and a half years ago. But I come up here with Jack every week. We reminisce over GA and all sorts of things. Seen a few songs and all the rest. Ah, and just a yeah. hello to your, to your sisters, our connections back here at the back. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Hi how's Jason um, Ford as well? Oh, we're very proud of Jason, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go to all the matches or watch him play? Oh, we go to all the matches, yeah. We're mm-hmm. great supporters of okay, Jason. Terrific. And the girl beside you? I'm Patricia, his auntie as well, and we're very proud of him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very personal problem as well. Yeah. yeah. It's good to be here on Down Your Way. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah. Thank you very much. Thank Absolutely. you. Good to say hello. Uh, chop around, around the clock. Come in here. One or two people in here want to say hello. Hey, how's it going? How are you keeping? Your name is? Mike Ryan. Mike, from where? Timbillary. All Timbillary people around here. All Timbillary here, yeah. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Hello, how are you? What's your name? Teresa Ryan. Teresa? No, and, and no, uh, no relation. No, no. Did <laughs> so he buy you a drink, did he? He did, he did. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't so bad, eh? Hello, how are you? Hi, how are you? Your name is? Uh, Teacher Ryan. Teacher Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Terrific to be a part of it here. Today. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, good to see you all around here, around the back. Hey, how are you? Not too bad. Your name is? John Ryan, Timbillary. It's a great name around here, the Ryan's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're not connected, though. we're all... You're all... Yeah. Yeah, this man, how are you doing? That's right. What's your name? Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan? Yeah. You're having a great drink here in the corner? That's right. Good to say hello. Thank Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Josephine Burke is with us. How are you doing, Josephine? Hello, Eamon. Yeah, good to be with us on Down Your Way. Yes, definitely, yes. And True. welcome to Killeen. Absolutely. You're very yeah. much a part of organising on a Wednesday night here. Tell us about this. Oh, yeah, we have a little um, singing circle going on um, the first, second Wednesday night of every month. OK. So um, a lady previously to me set it up and well, I just keep it going. So we have about few people from other parishes come and we have a great whole night here every month. So okay, okay. we're looking for new musicians, local people to join us. So if they're out there, okay, all are welcome. welcome. Uh, yes. Every Wednesday night? Every second? Every, every second Wednesday night of every month. Okay, so yeah. next Wednesday night. Okay. Good. So it is, um, is that doing well for you? Yes, very well, yeah. And thanks to Anne and Jerry for facilitating us. Yeah, we're very happy. How did the single circle go? Everybody sings a couple of songs, is it? Yes, and then we have a bit of musicians and it goes around in a circle and... Um, you do the MC on it? That's kind of it, yeah. 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 That's uh, our own Eamon, the great Eamon O'Dwyer, with another programme, another edition, as he says, of Down Your Way from Kennedy's Pub in Killeen outside of uh, Temple Derry there. I always look forward to that every Saturday morning from 10 o'clock. Now, it's kind of interesting that Mars have announced that they are to trial a bounty-free box of celebrations this Christmas after 40% of people polled said it was their least favourite suite in the collection. So we want to know, will you miss the bounty bar from the celebrations box? Now, it's my favourite one, so I don't know where this is coming from. Um... Anyway, how do you feel about that? Or would you like to tell us what is your favourite sweet in the box of celebrations? Now, I, I have to say this quietly because I'm hopeful, you see, that Muriel Cuddy isn't listening to us, speaking about chocolate, speaking about celebrations and so on. But what is the story? I mean, do you, do you like the bounty bar? Should it be back? Because I think it should. It's as bad as taking away the pink snack. I mean, they took away the pink snack, for God's sake. Somebody is... Uh, Similar to myself, and I love this text that came in to say that I'm absolutely starving after listening to Muriel Cuddy. I can't wait for the Mona Lisa to open in Thurlis. 
And for anybody who doesn't know, God knows I know, um, the Mona Lisa is a fantastic, uh, I was going to say Japanese, um, uh, Italian takeaway in uh, Thurless uh, Centre there, and it's absolutely gorgeous. So now you have me starving as well as everything else. Anyway, what do you think about the Bounty Bar not being in the box of celebrations? Important stuff, this 83 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Somebody uh, saying to me, um, what are you doing talking about um, celebrations, chocolates, just after speaking to Muriel about losing a stone? Don't tell her, don't say a word. Don't say a word to her. Christine in Cashel says, Fran, I would not miss the bounty bars um, out of the celebrations. Uh, I love the bounty bar. My favourite wouldn't buy celebrations now. Go out and buy a whole load of bounty bars is what I say. Says one of our listeners who's very enthusiastic about this. Rosemary uh, was on to say, I'm with you, Fran. Uh, bring the bounty back. Now there's, there's something we should start up as a whole protest about the Bounty Bar. Catherine says I used to love Bounty Bars but I was diagnosed celiac so I can't eat the celebrations anymore. You poor don't. Uh, Hilda was on to say while Bounty isn't my absolute favourite I will miss it. Uh, being a celiac I can now only eat uh, the Snickers which is gluten free from this tub. Oh God. Uh, Robert says thank God only the British have to put up with this madness. Ireland remains a bounty filled zone. See how seriously we're taking this. Anne says, absolutely won't miss it. Patricia says, bring back the bounty and get rid of the Snickers. Uh, Richie says, keep the bounties and get rid of the Milky Way. God, I love them all, you see. That's that's the problem. Uh, anyway, let us go uh, to uh, the phones and uh, to Noreen. Noreen, good morning to you. Morning, friend. And good to talk to you. You only caught the end of the conversation yesterday um, about where I mentioned canon law. That's um, right. And you, you have an issue with that, do you? Well, I... I, I uh, read about the Father Sheehy sermon then, Fran, but canon law to me is, is, is not literal, it's metaphorical. Yeah, well, it's 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 just a guide, I suppose, for, for the Catholic Church. For... It, 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 you know, to me, it says that they can change the, the Catholic, the Catholic teachings change if the Church requires them. Right. And, um, and how do you feel about Father Sheehy's uh, sermon to begin with, Noreen? Well, I suppose after listening to Father Ray, Roy, is it? Yeah, Father Roy Donovan, yeah. Um, I'm kind of nearly inclined to have more time for Father Sheedy and his stance because he's easy sticking to what he believes in rather than Father Roy with his new updated version of biblical research. That sounds kind of like an ideal to just fit in with the drop in attendance in the church. Yeah, and... And what do you make then of the outcry against what Father Sheehy had to say in his homily where he, you know, he seemed to denounce the notion of tra- transgender and homosexuality and all of that? But I think, you, you know, from my own point of view, I think we have enough of Catholic misogyny and judgment um, in, in the church. Mm. But um, again, then the Catholic Church represents family by heterosexual couples. So, 
there was another man on earlier speaking to you there and he said, you know, you just can't suddenly change everything. Yes. That, you know, and he made reference that, uh, Father Roy, that there's no mention in the Bible. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm not very well up on it, but I've read some of the book of Deuteronomy and, and um, Genesis and that. And I'll give you one example, Fran. Um, Noah gets on the ark yeah. with his wife and two daughters and, and a, two of every animal. And they're told not to look back. But his wife looks look back and so she's dead. Right. So when they arrive, there's only Noah and his two daughters. And, and no. what are you reading into that, Noreen? What would you read into that? <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair, no. You're, you're, you're throwing stuff back at me now. So go on, go on. What do you make of that now? What, what are you well, saying? That? In the book of Deuteronomy, they say, I cannot remember now the daughter's name, they say that um, yeah. God got her drunk. So, and anyway, the long and the short of it is she became impregnated by him and so also did the other dog. Right, so this was incest. Correct. All right. And, you know, I'm not sure if you heard it earlier on, but I, I had the cheek to be quoting the Bible to a priest earlier on. I did, I heard you, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that, that's, that really blew me away this morning, uh, that notion that, that, you know, Lot said, no, the angels can't make love with the men, but here's two virgins, two daughters of mine, and you can do whatever you want with them. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know? you, you so know, what, there's an awful lot in the Bible that's quite, quite what, scary. It's like, you know... Um, there's, there's, um, there's not any readings in the Bible that I need to do any favours to women at all. Yeah, well, women come out pretty badly out of it. That's that's for certain, you know. Can I ask you? Are you do you are you a practicing Catholic, Noreen? Do you mind my asking? You you need to ask me. If you... No, I don't mind. And my father um, was a very very devout man, and uh, to me, he was a real man of God in the sense that you know he didn't push religion down my toes. He didn't. He was, he was a good man and he was a gentle man and if he could help somebody, he would. And I have went through trials in my life where I have turned against God completely through anger, you know, and not being old enough to realise that God cannot just give you everything you want and you want it, but you must have to try and learn acceptance. Right. But you got you well, got so angry, you, you turned away, did you? Oh, completely, yeah, completely. And... Um, but my, again, I referred to my father. He didn't say to me, well, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't yeah. do this. You know, he let me come back, you know, in my own time. He let you work sure. through it yourself. I suppose, yeah. yeah. No, it took a long time. <laughs> but um, I'm not particularly great about math. My faith is strong. And more importantly, so my acceptance of other people's faith is strong. Right. And, you know, you pointed out, and I was pointing out as well, that there's some anomalies there in, in, in uh, the, the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament end of the Bible. Um, so is it not okay for Father Roy to say that, look, the, it, it's all lost in translation here. I mean, it's all about being kind, being decent, being loving and all of that. And if you're that, sure isn't everything fine. But that's as it should be, Fran. I mean, if you go back over the years, we say there was a time, I cannot remember what period in history, but that if you received Holy Communion, you would you could be killed. And then a thousand years later, I think when the Spanish Inquisition came along, you could be you could be murdered for the very same reason for not taking. For not taking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's so much. It's, it's such a delicate and an explosive topic that 
Like I pray to Our Lady, I see Our Lady as the Queen of Heaven who has tremendous empathy for other women's suffering because of the suffering she endured. Whether or not she was a virgin is irrelevant to me, but it is enough for me that she was the mother of Jesus. And she was a mother who lost her son. You know, Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, you know, as, as somebody who has a faith, Noreen, I mean, do you understand or can you possibly understand why women have been, you know, largely ignored in the church or if not, they've been patronised and said, aren't you great to look after the altar or the flowers or, <laughs> or make the sandwiches for some sort of a day out? You, yeah. you know, have you been annoyed by that over the years? Oh, sure, look, I tell you, it's not about being alive because, if you again, if you refer to the Bible, you can see where all this stems from. And it's not just in our religion. You know what? That's, that's for sure. That's a very good point. Yeah, it's, it's in a lot of religions. Yeah, there's about 13 countries around the world, by the way, where you still could be uh, put to death for being homosexual. Oh, wow, I didn't realise that. Yeah, so, do you know what I mean? You're you're dead right. It's not just Catholicism that you... No, 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 it's not. Yeah. But it's, again, to go back to the change in the Father Rye with his updated version. version. I mean, originally, Fran, apparently, there were 16 chapters in St. Mark's Gospel. Right. By the 20th century, there was a volume for theologians to study. Right, so... So who added all this? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you see. And do we have the, the finished product or do we have some edited version, I suppose? And and it's been translated and translated again. So you'd wonder. You would, because Jesus himself apparently preached in parables, which touched on the reality of human suffering. And yeah. after he's death, then St. Peter and Paul kind of took up the helm of preaching. And they probably took on what they interpreted from him as to what became the gospel. And then the Romans done their own thing with it, didn't they? They, they did indeed, it yeah. And, and a lot of the writings were hundreds of years after the death of Christ as well. So you'd... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. But, I mean, surely we should sum it all up that if we live decently and we, you know, we're kind enough to people, sure, look, you know. Well, well that, that's what this. I mean, you're going to all have... I mean, you go back to the film there. I was just uh, thinking, you know, Louis is a Louis or something. And there was so much um, homosexuality in it. Mm, yeah. in, in, in France yeah. you know and then you know people are so shocked by it right well you go back to, to yeah to the Roman Empire and, and to Greece and stuff you know it was very much uh, very evident indeed it's um, yeah it's interesting uh, do you, were you surprised at the huge amount of media spotlight on what the priest had to say I was in France for the same reason. People are getting resentful in every way, you know, because, you know, between the the crisis in the Ukraine and it, it, they're getting resentful in every way. And, and um, I think that, you know, that everyone's kind of on a bit of an edge. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Would the kindly way to look at this be, now I'm, I'm going to start a row here again, of course, would the kindly way to look at this be, here was a very elderly priest who is very much set in these ways, who spent an awful lot of his priestly life in a Pentecostal situation, which was very much a, a very fundamental look at Christianity. And he had what he, he said what he said, and it should have been left alone. Now, would that be a kindly way to look at this? Oh, gosh, that's a hard one, friend, because that's like going back to saying, should you be let off the hook then because of your age? Well, I'm just saying that he's not really representative of the current view of the Catholic Church, largely. Do you not so, think 
Well, I don't know, you see. That's what I don't know, Noreen. Well, maybe he is, but the rest of them are not saying it. Ah. Ah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> now you have me thinking. Noreen, it was a real pleasure. And you look after yourself, Noreen. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Dose. Thank you. Bye-bye. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Not many talk shows can go from the ordinances of canon law to the removal of the bounty bar from the celebrations tub. Let's go to Josephine. Good morning, Josephine. Morning. Are you horrified like me? They've taken out yes. the bounty bar. Disgusted. Yeah, I can't understand that people don't like it. I think it, it's only a mind up, is it? <laughs> no, this is serious. It's all over the newspapers today. They did a survey on it, seemingly, and the survey told them a lot of people don't like the bounty, and there's a row over it, so they're, they're taking it out. This yeah, but you're sure like people don't like the other streets in it. Yeah, but seemingly there's more of a row about the bounty bar. Is the bounty your favourite? I love them. <laughs> My granddaughter loves them. She's only six. Oh, Lord. Okay. So what are you going to do? I won't be buying the bets in the streets. I buy my... What's the other one? The, that I buy. I don't know. The nice what? streets in it. The quality streets. Oh, the quality streets. Oh, I love them. Oh, so they you're going to move away yeah. from the celebrations altogether? Well, you see, I buy the celebrations, but I don't eat the bounty and maybe it now it's Mare's Bar. <laughs> and, and do you like the Snickers? Because a lot of people are saying the Snickers are rotten. Okay, but she had to eat any kind of a sweet. Yeah, but you're on the very really? same. I'm the very same. So, that's yeah. why I emphasize I am, but anyway. Ah, stop. I'm not sure, to worry. I'm sure you're we lovely. We get over it. Oh, what, yeah. what, what about, what is it about chocolate? I mean, I am such an addict. Addictive. What is it, though? Well, when I used to smoke, I used to eat it, but now that I'm out of cigarettes, I eat a load, of, but not a load, but I eat a good Did that kind of replace the cigarettes yeah. for you? yeah. Isn't it interesting? I drive the mad downstairs. I mean, I, I open a chocolate bar, and first of all, I have to smell it. It's just gorgeous. No, but let me see. If I'm here in the night and I open a bar, I won't eat the full bar. Would you not? No. I'd eat the full bar and somebody else's. No, 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 no. Never be that bad now. Would you not? No, no. So you I like my few uh, squares. Is that all? Yeah. Well, it depends what I'm eating, I suppose. Good. I had uh, the mini bars now for Halloween and I ate three of them last night together. But they were only little. Right. Good job. You're you're good as gold. I mean, by comparison, I'm not, I mean, no, no, I'm not. I I'd eat the full tub of celebrations. I know, I know. Someone else that says that as well. Yeah. Do you? No, no. I I left them open on the table. I keep nibbling. Yeah, I know. I just got a few and I put away the thing. That's yeah. the trouble. Yeah, I I found lately now with when I'm driving, I I have these uh, toffee uh, sweets, and I convince myself because they last a bit longer that they're better. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but sure, they're they're, they're no, not. Sure, we dead long enough. Will you go out and buy? Tubs of these things for for Christmas is that is that what you yeah, do? Yeah, I bought it in the other day. It's oh, did you? Street now. What are but they costing now? They were very cheap last year. What what are they, they costing? They were in Tesco with the club card. They were cheap. Right, and yeah. what, what about this year? Yeah, the club card we got them with. Oh, are they? Are they what? They're about five or six euro. Are they, they were in three fifty or something with the club card? I think. Ah, sure. It's no wonder we're all eating. Yeah, but your bear chocolate is one fifty. It is, yeah. You'd be better so off to go. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if anybody meets Muriel Cuddy, don't tell her about this conversation. No, dream of it. No. Does it concern you about like healthy me. eating and stuff like that, Josephine? Do you think about it? Doesn't, it doesn't. But yeah. I still eat shit that I shouldn't be. Eating. Do you? Oh, I do. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What? Is, what is the downfall for you? Is it chocolate or is it crisps or what? No, crisps. I would say, and I didn't buy any of this because it was good. 
Did you not? But I do. I crave for salty stuff. Oh, I know. The King yeah. the king Crisps. For no, Cheeto, Cheeto. Oh, two slices of bread and butter and a mug of coffee. Oh, stop. It sounds And delicious. I'm in heaven then for an hour. I'm supposed to be on a diet. Will you stop? With, oh, sure God. Sure my I'd love a tato sandwich. Now. Yeah, let's go out and get one then. Okay, so. Yeah, with <laughs> my just, permission. Tell I'll Muriel just, I said. Tell Muriel you said it was okay. <laughs> yes, do. Josephine, lovely to talk to you today. And bring back the bounty, is what we all say. Look look after Let's yourself, Josephine. Bye bye. Bye bye, Bye bye. That's Josephine this morning, talking about the bounty bar and talking about our mutual admiration of celebrations and chocolate and the like. That's it for me. I'm off for the potato sandwich. My thank to uh, thanks to uh, Emma for her production. Ellie looks after our our content. Stephen is on the way, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Where are those potatoes? Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.